Hey everyone, it's time to hit play on that old VCR and get queued up because it's time for another edition of Cult Following, where we take our love of films and press rewind and look at some of our favorite film culture, happenings, and general misbehavior in the world of movies and movie culture. I'm one of your three hosts for this lovely podcast. My name is Victor Marino, along with Kirby Nelson and Adam Murkowski. Meow. We host Cult Classics AZ every month at Polytempe Cinemas. You can always find us there for getting your big screen movie fix. And we also do Jump Cut out in the out in the East Valley Mesa area at the Grid Games and Growlers. You can always find out about our events at Cult Classics AZ. If you like our podcast, like what you hear, want to tell your friends. Hit subscribe, cult following on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can find our film reviews every week. New stuff at cultfollowing.co. This is our, what, 42nd episode now? And we're going to talk about the summer. It's winding down, and we're going to have our late summer blast recap. We're going to talk about Suicide Squad. We're going to talk about Sausage Party and some other movies coming out the tail end that we're excited about. So let's just get hop right into what have we been watching lately kirby what have you been watching lately well just remember what the other documentary i'm going to review here shortly you can look for those on cultfollowing.co soon is kings of cult kings of cult is that uh that's the i swear it has like a painted poster right yeah it's it's, it's a it's is that the one uh, with Roger Corman? It's Roger Corman That's it. and, That's it, yeah. and uh, Charles Band, uh, the head of Full Moon Pictures, formerly Empire, uh, as well. And um, it is a very much a uh, a little bit misleading, and I'll talk about that more, but more easy to uh, summarize is that it looks like a documentary, but it's just an interview. It's literally like an, a little less than an hour-long interview with a few bonus materials of just them having a conversation. It's very, it's as lo-fi as the movies they produce, if not more so. Um, it's it's not very good, um, to be honest. But it was, but at the same time, it was very interesting because I'm a huge fan of both Corman and Band. Um, so, and they did have some good conversations. It just wasn't enough new stuff. And that's um, that was a little bit disappointing. That's kind of, yeah, it seems disappointing, especially with like the spate of good documentaries on that exactly. sort of time period lately. Like, uh, what was the last one like that? Electric Boogaloo, the the oh uh, the Canon uh, films the Canon documentary. Films. But I mean, even like on the Corman tip, like uh, the Machete Maidens, and yeah, a the lot same of, guy who did. Yeah, a yeah. lot of those are just absolutely amazing. I and I talked about last time. I saw two gray ones: the uh, Garbage Pail Kids and the. Uh, Pet Cemetery one, which also be part of that trio of documentary reviews, um, were just amazing, just jam packed, full of stuff. Um, so I was I was a little disappointed, um, but it was still worth checking out. I got it on one of the full moon sales for like five bucks, mm. so at least I didn't spend a ton. Um, I don't think I mentioned on the last show, so I just wanted to quick do a review or do a quick snip. It was uh, the other side of the door. Um, which is uh, what's her name? Sarah Wayne Gillies, who was um, 
Oh, she was Walking, Lori on Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah, it's her. Like, what's the other one? Lauren had the um, uh, Maggie from Walking Dead had the boy. Uh, Sarah oh, Wayne yeah. Gillies one was the other side of the door, which is um, you know a supernatural thriller set in India. Um, could have been so so much more. Just uh, not very good. I mean, that's really all I can say about it. I had high hopes when I originally saw the trailer, and it just, yeah, completely fell flat. As that usually happens. That that's pretty much that's exactly my attitude when I saw Viral last time. Mm-hmm. It, it was just this on paper seems like such a good idea, but yeah, bad execution. Yeah, I just wasn't very into it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know, or I've mentioned on the podcast or in somewhere that I'm a huge true crime aficionado um stuff like that so one of the people i've always been extremely fascinated with is arthur shawcross and netflix recently i and i think they may have taken it down i haven't seen it It wasn't shown my recently watched but it was a interview with him it was just called interview of the serial killer um no that's still on there yeah i didn't know if it was still on there because it wasn't showing up but I, i did watch it's just like a little little under an hour but he's the genesee river killer um, just a really, you know, not a particularly interesting individual in any way, but how the system reacted to his crimes or how they handled it is very, very interesting. A lot of that is Netflix picking stuff up like that because of the uh, other show they had this summer. That oh, was, the Making a Murderer yeah. thing, yeah. Which, uh, yes, thankfully, Brent Dassey was just released or is, um, yeah, had all his charges absolved, which is great to hear. I think um, the funniest thing about that, not to cut in, no, go is, ahead. Uh, I was reading on a pro wrestling sheet. Uh, it's one of the guys who used to work for TMZ, and he has a wrestling site now. X-Pac offered him free WrestleMania tickets because that that's was rad. one of the funny things in there where he didn't realize the gravity of his crimes. crimes. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm, I guess still gonna, I'm going to be out in time for WrestleMania. I mean, it was it simultaneously makes you smile, but it's so sad. Because you realize that that's awesome that uh, Sean Waltman also knows X Pac did. Well, the uh, the other thing about it too is you have to realize that they have the prosecution has ninety days to uh, refile. Yeah, that they do. So it's not that he is released; it's he's I scheduled think, to release. release. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a West Memphis three thing where they're just they, they might have them do the same kind of plea, you know, guilty, yeah. and we'll release you just to get it out of the way. Yeah, I don't. I think with him, I just don't think they have enough. Um, to be able to, I, I, I think the prosecution would have a lot hard time with Steve Avery. I do think they are going to have, it's going to be a real fight, mm-hmm. um, if they, if it ever comes down to it. But, um, um, not too much else here. I did take two Adam's recommendations and watched them. Also on the documentary tip, I watched, uh, Ghost Heads. Oh, and, yeah. um, I think his one word review of Weepy was definitely up there. Um, there was more crying in this than I ever, yes. ever, ever anticipated. Like it is unbelievable. And and totally I mean, in, in some very relatable situations, but it just felt like, wow, did you like try to coax this out of people or did the waterworks? That's just what I mean. Flow? Didn't it just seem like it was too much after yeah, a while? Yeah, just way too much. Yeah. Um other than that, like a a pretty good documentary. I like that they covered a lot on the um, the real Ghostbusters. I like that they. Um, I like they include the new film. I, I felt like they did a good job mm-hmm. of the films and the fandom. I, I did think it was good. I just think yeah, there was a little bit, a little too much um, Kleenex. Yeah, they were just tweezing your eyebrows. Too yeah, much. I was like, okay, your nose hairs. 
and then the one I, I actually really, really did like. I was kind of surprised, but I really liked I Am Thor. Really? Yeah, I liked it a lot more than I anticipated. It's definitely not as good. I will say I don't want to put it on par with something like in the story of Anvil or some of the other ones. It's, but I will because yeah, it's argue not. It's not at yeah, all. It's not. Yeah. But I will say the other really great documentary, of course, I saw this year was the Twisted Sister, yeah. um, one, which was amazing. Yeah, that is incredible. Um, but I thought this was better than I anticipated. I really did um, like it. I didn't think it was phenomenal, especially compared to other rock docs I've seen. Over the years, or even like I said, as mentioned, the Twisted Sister one, but I did like it, and I did. I was expecting something different. I didn't completely hate it, but I wanted to like it more th- I, than I did. Yeah. I guess maybe it's just because I wasn't a fan of Thor that maybe that's why. Like I always come into a documentary going, I want to get some kind of idea. Like let me know why this was important, mm-hmm. and let me know why revisiting this now has a point. And I felt to a very strong degree that I didn't really understand why he was popular. And I kind of felt it was overstated in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of felt like they were randomly following him around. And I don't like documentaries like that. Yeah. Yeah. If there's anything that I can, I can uh, throw out there. And I think I mentioned this when, at one of the documentaries, maybe when you were talking about, I am Thor, I mentioned driver 23, which is very, very much worth looking into. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I feel like I'm very, very picky when it comes to documentaries. Like, I have the docu- the review of Lucha Mexico on cultfollowing.co. Yeah. And I think if you read it, you'd come away thinking that it's, like, terrible. But it's just, that's the viewpoint I take. Like, let me know why this is important. Let me know why you're following these people. All the footage and cinematography in that documentary is really good. People who don't know about Lucha Libre probably would be like, oh, this is really interesting. But me... I just think it doesn't reach that bar of good documentaries Mm -hmm. that like the way the 30 for 30 really does, which for some reason I feel like sports documentaries are really good at finding that way of telling you why someone was important and following them even after the fact, even the Jake, the snake Roberts one I thought was really good. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. I think it's, you have to have the, I mean, in most documentaries, especially about people kind of fade, fade from, the public eye and consciousness and stuff is is that and that's that's the truth i mean i don't think he really ever was in the public consciousness and i do think that's kind of a point that's made is is that the the one thing i will say and maybe this is where i thought it was well done or interesting is is that he kind of admits obviously that like there was numerous times kind of like the twisted sister where they were like you know we're trying to get a record deal we keep going to europe i mean he had the same thing going on where oh, yeah. it was kind of like Hey man, we're supposed to be getting big. Like this is supposed to be our break, and mm-hmm. it never happens. None of his acting ever goes. And the one thing I will say about him as a person, though, is is that you can really tell though he's really positive. Oh, he yeah. is not like you only see him maybe once mad, yeah, sure. once or twice. But I will say, I can see why people would like him though. Watching his stage show, yeah. I mean, no matter how amateurish and stuff you want to look at, I mean, it's pretty amazing, especially for his age and his health issues. It was it was pretty rad to see his different personas and some other stuff. I thought was at least uh, entertaining. I didn't. I I felt like I was like, man, they're kind of blowing their load early with the, um, you know, where it kind of stops at his. You know, you expected more exposition on his his eighties, seventies, eighties rise, yeah, because yeah. it just goes right to it. But in the comeback tour and stuff, I mean, it didn't really mince much stuff. I mean, you could tell it was like um, his ex wife was really unhappy, like after their 
kind of segue into her sojourn into the suburban life and some different things, but still good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, let me see here. Oh, um, I, we, do you want to talk about sausage party a little oh, bit down the line? About that okay. I, I, yeah, we can talk about that a little later here. We'll talk about it with our summer rundown. Um, other than that, on the subject of metal, uh, I did go see the summer slar tour Saturday. It's, it's, Oh, it's getting up there in years, but um, it's one of the last surviving like big metal fests that's touring. Um, loved it. Was great. Seen some of my favorite death metal bands like Suffocation, Nile, Cannibal Corpse. The second time I've seen this year. Always a lot of fun. Some great new bands like Ingested, who are an awesome slam band from the UK, played. Um, but just a lot of fun. The marquee not having ins and outs was not as fun. Um, so thankfully I, I wasn't actually able to go the whole thing because I'm old and I cannot stand for 10 hours on my feet anymore. I don't think I could even do a fest. I'm really tempted to go see Black Sabbath in LA or out in, um, out in California next month. And I just don't know if I can even stand for that long, yeah. but we'll see. Um, and then I just want to quick talk about two events. I went to, um, game on expo, which we covered and talked about. Um, I only got to go Saturday, so I can't say much. Um, in terms of it, the vendors were great. Um, it was including our own Vanessa and Erica who were vending as well. But yeah, and um, she said she did really well. Yeah, as far as it was, it stuff. was a really good. It's always fun. A lot of people bring out their rare stuff. A lot of the the cool, um, neat uh, kind of um, items and collectibles. Um, I did score one good, great deal. Um, got to play a lot of the classic arcade games. I missed the mini bosses because I just was tired and I had to get up the next morning. The only thing I can say about it is, uh, and I, I let John and um, Neil and some of them know, is that they closed the vendors hall too early. It was Friday and they closed it at six. Wow. And uh, yeah, I told them, yeah, you really should have kept it home until at least eight or nine, if not 10. Um, and you could tell there was some drop off from that. But in terms of the lineup they did and all the stuff, it was awesome. I wish I could have <laughs> stuck around for the panels. But I had to jet to Vegas to go to Super Toy Con, which is the first time I've ever been to this event. Um, it was held at the Orleans Hotel and Arena. Um, so it was all in one, be able to stay in the hotel. Oh, did you go to the International Marketplace? It's like right by the Orleans. You should yeah, go yeah. there. It's oh, yeah, really yeah. cool. They have, yeah. It's like they have so much Chinese, cool Chinese yeah. toys and stuff they import. Yeah, I went over to... Um, in the Spring Mountain Road, the International District, they have a lot of great vegan Asian restaurants. Went to an amazing one called the Veggie House. Um, great food. The the happiest waitress I've ever met in my life. Like the biggest smile. <laughs> she was just amazing. Um, but if you're a vegan, vegetarian, or just uh, curious, definitely check it out. Um, but Super Toy Con was the first time I ever been. They did is interesting because the Orleans Arena. It's like an arena, like any other where you know you have a field and that's basically where all the vendors were and then kind of on the adjacent garage kind of area the loading or locker room kind of area was the artist alley and then upstairs in the circular round was all the guests huh. um so for like wrestling i uh, i met jake the snake before but uh papa shango slash the godfather was there kurt angle uh cena daniel bryan the bella twins um, just a lot of wait seriously John yeah. Cena and wow that's... all of them were there and then one day only for them yeah but still big and then they had um 
uh, let's see here, uh, I can't ever remember his name, from Opie from Sons of Anarchy was there. Oh, Ryan uh, Hurst. Ryan Hurst. They had, I was going to say Ryan Thurston, but it's Hurst, yeah. Um, some people from Walking Dead. Uh, oh, my God, the one guy is so nice. Greg from, um, he was on Heroes and... Uh, Greg Grunberg. Yeah, yeah. is one of the nicest people I ever met, but... Um, Zach Galligan signed my Waxwork uh, poster. I know we're going to talk about the Vestron thing. Uh, Waxwork's one of my favorite movies. Um, and then, um, but really the main reason I went up, and that's where I'll cap it off, was I went to see it for, they had the first GPK con um, that I'm aware of on the West Coast. And so it was all... Tell people what GPK yes, means. Uh, Garbage Pail Kids, of which I'm a big fan uh, Victor, I know Adam are too, or have fandom. Victor does some amazing GPK art um, and prints and stuff. If you want to check it out and sketches, um, but I, I grew up with GPK. It's 31 years old now. They had the 30th anniversary last year. Um, I got to meet Tom Bunk, who is one of the two original main artists. Uh, John Pound did the first sets, and then Tom Bunk did a lot of the backs and some of the other sets, and is an established artist. Um, Jeff uh, Zapata and Joe Simcoe, who made the GPK documentary, and are artists and helped revitalize that. Wacky Packages, Mars Attacks, all the big properties and non-sport train that Tops had. Um, they're just awesome people. Uh, a lot of great artists. Brent Engstrom is one of my favorites. Uh, Neil Camera. Uh, Leron Desjardins, um, but just awesome. David Gross, all those people, super friendly. Bought some art, got some sketch cards, um, talked to a lot of people, stayed on the same floor with them, so got to hang out. Um, just a cool event. I've never, like I said, never been to it. Um, it's really cool to go to like a toy and collectibles con plus the slurries. It definitely did not feel like a Comic Con kind of event. It felt more like a collect, more just straight collectibles. Um, just cool little something for everybody great hotel the orleans so yeah definitely a lot of fun hope may i can do a little bit more of a debrief on one of those for the site but um cool. yeah good times what you guys been watching me mm. not a whole lot i've been watching parks and recreation finally oh funny so that's why i have the ron swanson haircut now <laughs> i was gonna say your hair looks very good at him very very ron swanson that's probably the after watching. I, I haven't watched the whole thing. I'm not done with it yet. I'm probably in the fourth season right now. But uh, you, so you're starting from fresh, right? Is that what you're saying? I've never seen the show before. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. So Mostly completely. because I have a real big problem with the humor that um, the office is kind of set up, yeah, and how it's been followed similar. through with like everything. I'm just not a big. I've said this before. I'm not uh, big into the comedy of the last five to eight years. Maybe I just. I don't know. It's understandable. Uh, I'm not going to go into the minutiae of it, but um, I, I kind of put this one on hold and I was feeling like I wanted to watch something and kind of binge now and again. Um, and that one is really easy to watch. The, 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 the seasons are really strange. The first season is almost its own thing. Then it, they change the characters a little bit in the second I don't really understand. Well, and then the third season is kind of different from the second, and now the fourth is, like, different from all the other ones. I don't really know, like, if they rotated through a lot of writers or if they were... It's not like a meta thing where, you know, it's like a show and a show, and then they're trying to, like, maybe take the characters and, and throw them for a loop. It's just... It's really just a kind of a weird... No, Way it starts of, off really grounded, and it becomes more 
less so as time goes on. Yeah, it, it's almost a like a it turned more into like most of like a dramedy than where it was more of a comedy to begin with. Or they would focus on certain things in a different way or expand on something in a different way. That's not screwball, mm. but goes in a direction that seems so unrealistic of maybe what I wanted the character to do. Yeah. Or no, go it, in direction-wise. Yeah, that's what I mean. It becomes, uh, especially once some of the more fringe stuff becomes more prominent, like uh, Sweeties, that the mm-hmm. company, they t- that becomes much more prominent as time Well, goes and that on. is now, in, that's where I'm kind yeah. of at, is where the, the other people are either interning with them or working with them. Um, Aziz's uh, character is um, is now like doing stuff for them, different events or something. Anyways, it's it's a good show. I'm starting to kind of lose interest because of the other thing that is completely taking over my life. This does not have to do with movies or toys. It's called No Man's Sky. It's the last thing I did with the podcast with Cinema Fantasco podcast uh, with Joshua T. Ruth. I, I I am totally enamored and engrossed in the game so hard that nothing else matters. How close are you to the center of the universe? That is not the point that I play the game. Oh, no, no, no I'm just curious. No, I don't even know. Oh, okay. Just curious. Uh, I'm just going from planet to planet. I like to just roam around and look at stuff and name That's stuff cool. or grab some resources and move on to the next thing. It's not a game for everybody. Uh, I think the people that put the expectations of the game really, really high are going to be very disappointed in some ways. If you like doing a lot of combat, it's not that. There's there's elements of that. It always looked like a LucasArts game to me. It does. That was what I had an interest in originally. The thing about the game is it, it, it touches on a lot of that throwback to those types of games. Mm -hmm. I was a big Star Wars Galaxies guy. And that's how I'm kind of playing the game. Depending on how you want to play the game, you can be just an explorer, researcher, or you can go and fight pirates or cause trouble if you wanted to. Uh, And they do push you toward, I guess, what would be a center or a center point in the game. But there's no story to it. You're just a traveler. Yeah. You know, in this huge, huge universe. It's one of those ones, and you're yeah. not going to run into anybody. You don't yeah, communicate yeah. with actual real players, even though there is online uh, connectivity. It, like the chances are point zero 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 one percent that you would run into another player because there's eighteen quintillion planets, and yeah. it makes sense. You know, at first you think, oh, someone, some kids are going to figure it out. You know, one of those hardcore guys or gals are going to figure it out. Well. Once you start playing it, you realize how huge and vast and really impossible. I guess there were two players that were actually on the same planet at one point, but never ran into each other. Didn't find out later until people were watching their Twitch feeds and going, wait a second, that is the same name as what this guy's doing. You know, like these two guys that played the game. And they never even knew that they were practically in each other's backyard. That's cool. It, the analogy I use is like, well, if you're in Paris and someone's in New York, you're not going to run into each other. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a cool thing. I mean, I, I personally, as a game, it, it, my terms of gaming preferences is, I've never, I'm always a single player campaign. You know, I don't solo. I have no real interest in the multiplayer. Which in certain games, I can understand FPSs. 
um, obviously like fighting games and stuff, but a lot of games, I feel like that's just kind of a lost art mm -hmm. that people are just absolutely obsessed. Like I've got to interact with people. There has to be a, the multiplayer is all that matters. Right. And, and with games where I, I was a little disappointed, I backed the um, Kickstarter for the Friday the 13th game that's coming out. Right. And of course, you know, I mean, I, I knew ahead of time, I by lowered, I was originally going to do a much higher um, contribution, but then I found out there was no single player campaign. It was multiplayer or oh. nothing. And huh. I said, well, that just dropped it down to the base price. I have no interest beyond that. I got the exclusive game, physical game, and that was it. Yeah. It's like, well, you lie. I mean, it's like, and they put the stretch goal so high. It was just ludicrous, but yeah. that's cool, man. Well, I'll, then you'd, yeah, you'd, I think you'd like No Man's Sky, though. Oh, I'm, I'm looking for, I, I grew up on Sierra, point and click, mm -hmm. LucasArts stuff. That's what I loved when I was a kid. Um, games like, you know, your Space Quest, Police Quest, King's Quest, Loom, uh, So You Want to Be a Hero, the Quest for Glory series. Did you play Mist? There's elements of Mist. Yeah, that's to what it I hear. Well. I do like a lot of the, the Mist. Um, you know, D kind of these, um, you know, the early full motion style games that had focused on exploration. Mm -hmm. I always like that mysteries, puzzle solving. Because it's totally open. You can do whatever you yeah. want in the That's game. That's cool. I mean, there are certain things that you have to do to get, you know, resource for your yeah. for fuel, you know, building up your multi-tool or your ship or whatever. But, you know, cool. you could play it for 20 years and not even get to the center. And then, I mean, really, why would you want to if you're already enjoying yourself? doing what you do they don't force you to do anything which is nice you don't feel like you're in competition with other people because there is a market there's there are traders but it's all npc yeah whereas some games if it's a, a single person That'll campaign be a player character for anyone who doesn't sorry game. it's okay <laughs> i do go into my shorthand when i start That's talking a, about I, this I, stuff i had to to well, uh, gpk gpk so uh when there have been other games that have been single-player campaign, but with online connectivity, they would have a market, but it was also part of the universe market where someone would be selling some resource, some mm -hmm. rare ore, and upselling it. Well, no, this is just, this is kind of random. It's all procedural. So depending on what terminal you go to, they'll offer different stuff that if you need that resource because you can't mine it, you can at least buy it there for X amount of units yeah. for that. Uh, and it, it varies on which terminal, which planet you're on, but at least you can find it and you're not getting somebody going, oh, well, you can buy my ore for 1 million units. You know, cool. It's Well, if you want to know more, you did the sim uh, Fantastico, right, on that one? We did the preliminary okay. thoughts based on everything that has led up to the release date. So it's it was like two or three days before the release date. And then Josh and I are going to get together. I th hopefully on. I haven't talked to him yet, but hopefully on Saturday, we're showing the others at my house. Cool. Uh, and hopefully we can get together a few hours before that, and then get our initial thoughts. But I'm still in the honeymoon phase. I don't know how long I'll. You know, I'll still be playing the game. You know, if if I'm going to get exhausted playing it or just lose interest, I don't know. When you're still going to kiss it on the mouth and mean it, and now maybe down the line. So sad. Not as much. So sad. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it all down. No, that's okay. What, what, what else have you been watching to bring us back up? Well, I don't know if it's any more like happy, but in Suicide Squad. So we'll just leave, we'll leave that for the bulk of the thing. Like I said, No Man's Sky has just been taking everything. That's cool, though. Well, <laughs> everything good. up for me. Grind, grind, grind. Uh, just I've just been watching a lot of random stuff lately. Uh, 
I did go see uh, Don't Think Twice, which is the new Mike Birbiglia comedy movie that's uh, produced by Ira Glass from National Public Radio. Mm-hmm. He produced Birbiglia's last movie, Sleepwalk Walk With, with me. me, which is all about him becoming a stand-up comedian and leading his uh, fiance on. Uh, and So basically, this is kind of in a similar mold. It's like about relationship issues that happen within an improv troupe when uh they are there's a saturday night live in name only but basically it's supposed to be saturday night live called weekend live and these guys I'll just uh, call it fridays all right <laughs> uh these guys are basically in a troupe where their theater's closing down and mike birbiglia is pushing 40 and this is like his last chance to kind of get on snl and they uh, get the person who books their improv theater gets some writers from their version of SNL to come to the theater. And they're just doing their regular improv shtick. And Keegan-Michael Key is one of the players in the improv troupe. And they're doing a skit. And then he does this dead-on Obama impression. So him and his girlfriend, who's played by Jillian Jacobs from Community, end up getting auditions for Weekend Live and it kind of throws the whole troop into flux where, you know, Bigley's character is really angry about it. Like, well, well, you know, put in a good word for me. And then it's kind of one of them gets chosen to be on the show and it just throws the whole kind of life of the troop into flux. And it's kind of it's interesting because I could see, like, you know, people who are in a creative unit mm-hmm. when it starts to splinter off. Um, there's people who want to keep it going and people who don't know what to do because it defines them. So it's really interesting. It could apply to things just beyond comedy. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember watching some segment on Lauren Michaels and the whole SNL thing. I I wonder if it, if in even some stuff that you were just mentioning right there, this is obviously taking a nod from that because if you identified it being, you know, somewhat SNL like mm-hmm. for the auditions, uh, Lauren Michaels really loves impersonators because that always gets like the big laughs and attention on snl yeah and they had a whole thing where uh they keep showing the the demo reel audition that uh what's his name carrie jim carrey did for snl where he's doing all these impressions you know and all his like crazy body stuff that he was doing for in living color but you know just uh, that he was really funny but just in think that he would work well with a, a group i guess whatever reason they didn't they didn't have him but it it dovetailed into this whole story of how much lauren michaels loves it if you audition uh as a you know a political character mm-hmm. more so than anything else i'm pretty sure SNL for all you comedians for years has now. been hiring people based on who's in office yeah it's like oh, yeah. you gotta have whoever the president is i mean i mean wasn't that the bulk of dana carvey's career besides mm-hmm. wayne's world i mean yeah you gotta look at it. I mean, and he and his one show he launched, the one that was the uh, impersonator. He just did a show that was like a competition, like an American Idol for people who do impersonations. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was literally. I mean, it shows. I mean, and there was. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Daryl Hammond's bread and butter for his. Career. Well, yeah, that's the only reason they bring him back, back. on to SNL is to do impressions. Sean but, Connery yeah. nonstop. Like I'm. Pretty sure that's what he does, you know? Yeah, I think one one of the characters on here who's the older, he has his own story arc about um, 
his father kind of subsidizing his lifestyle, and then he gets into a, a motorcycle accident. Uh, the comedian who plays him, I guess he was one of the founding members of the UCB, the Upright Citizens oh, Brigade. Yep. And it's basically based on a lot of his life where ba- all the people he founded the troop with went on the SNL and doing comedy and film, and he yeah. kind of just became a writer because he didn't get picked up like the rest of them did. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same thing like with musicians. Yeah. If you fail as a, a rock star musician, then you become a studio engineer. Mm-hmm. Or a kind ghost writer or something like that. Right. Like you become a yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, it's a really it's a really interesting. I like movie. Mike Birbiglia. I've always liked his stamp comedy. I really like sleepwalking me. The um the without obviously giving anything away, the final part of the story where he talks about the accident and all that. I really love um the way he presented that and stuff. I still think his guitar guy at the party thing is still one of like the best bits ever in more snare comedy, but I guess it's um you know, it's kind of like what Adam was saying. I mean, it's kind of another topic, but I do think, because um, I'll get into it probably a little bit with Sausage Party, but I do think how comedy has evolved, devolved, changed over, especially the last, it really is the last like five to ten years. I do think, as you talk about with parks and recreation and the office in that sense, I mean, I really think you have um, much more branded humor is the way I like to consider it. Like, this is even uh, I talked about uh, Adam recommending Rick and Morty to me and let me borrow it. It's one of those ones where I think that's as crazy as that show is. You know, it's because I the, I was reticent to check it out because I'm so sick of Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. I never fell in with that crowd. I never have much of an interest in it. I think it's I think it's you know I have an aversion to it based on experiences. So I feel like you know certain comedy it's hard, but. Like, not to, to cakewalk too much. I just kind of yeah. think it's part of a... When you talk about Mike Birbiglia, I kind of think of him as kind of a guy who's, like, in a way, like, a totally standard comedian. Mm-hmm. Like, he does observational kind of humor. He's not particularly... He's not very crass or, you know, any of those kind of things. He doesn't really go for that kind of, um, you know, humor. He's right. just more of a straight ahead. But he's got a lot of heart to his humor yeah. that works. And yeah. so... Um, you know, I, I, don't I think know. that will stand the test of time a little bit better. It won't feel Probably. as dated. Uh, whereas a lot of the stuff that first started coming out kind of feels dated. Other than probably the the forty year old version will probably stay around for a while, just because of its popularity. Kind of became a uh, something about Mary, where it's like you know I don't need to see something about Mary again. It's it's not something that's really resonant for me. Mm-hmm. Same with forty year old virgin, but I put it in the canon of uh, the the more well known uh, comedy films. I guess I look at some about Mary and go, when did the Farrelly brothers have another successful film? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You Truly know, they're just successful. kind of doing their own thing. They do now, their own you know? thing, but I mean, you know, they had an expectation to do that for a long time. Sure. And now, see, the four-year-old virgin, I can still watch and I still enjoy. Mm-hmm. I still think it's not anywhere near as funny. It's the little bits I pick up, things I didn't notice. Sure. The first ten showings, but it's one I wouldn't want to watch. It would be, it would, it would take years to want to watch it again. Right. Um. You know, it's there's bits in it that are still funny, but you know, I guess like I said, we'll talk a little bit more yeah. when we get sauce party. Anything else, Victor? Uh, just lately I've been watching like a lot of VHS lately. Um, 
I've been picking up a lot of older stuff to kind of like fill what holes. Did you, did you buy the last VHS player? No, it's just uh, it's one of those things where I've been prepping for maybe doing some uh, an event kind of in that vein. Well, I mean, did you have to go and buy a VHS machine? Is it the one I gave you? Have one? No, uh, actually, I bought a new one. It, oh, okay. It has a. It was like it's a VHS DVD recorder. So, it, like, if you put in a videotape, it records a DVD. Put in DVD, it can record it to videotape. But the only reason I bought it is because it has an HDMI out. Oh. So basically, it gives us a lot more Snazzy. options in terms Snazzy. of like true, true. Yeah, I still have my. Uh, I think I don't think I have a, a VHS player. I have the the Super VHS because I was a big proponent on that. Mm-hmm. Mostly because the Northwest Community Television Station that I did stuff for the uh, master tapes were on Super VHS. Oh. And so, and I able to, and the players at that time were so insanely expensive, it wasn't practical to have a home player. They came down in price once Laserdisc started coming out. Uh, they were they were kind of competing with them, and uh, I was happy about that because then I could take my master tapes that I retained, and I could actually, you know, just mm. like record off of those into my computer i've been trying to archive all that stuff before the tapes deteriorate oh but yeah uh just i've been picking up a lot of stuff for that just got uh got and there because there's a lot of places in the valley where if you look you can find stuff and a lot of it is just kind of trying to find things that are usually like lots of 90s straight to video stuff mm-hmm. is kind of lost but um I think even what was that a uh, toy uh, the Arizona Toy Con? Oh, Icon. Yeah, it, they changed its name to Toy Con, but uh, there was a guy there who was selling a ton of old VHS, and it was like actual like harder to find stuff. So I picked up a lot of that. So I got like cool. uh, you know Shocker and Link, and uh, I just bought Shocker on Laserdisc this weekend. <laughs> I got it for four bucks and it's mint, like nice. brand new. I don't think I even played. Yeah, and I think it's funny to me because even though Shocker is like a 35 millimeter, you know, actual big screen movie, I feel like the ideal way to see that movie is kind of like in VHS or home media because it's so much of that is built into the movie. Even the intro has like distortion, yeah, scan yeah. lines, and stuff yeah. So uh, no, and that, and then I had rewatched the two uh, VHS documentaries that came out a few years ago. Adjust your tracking and rewind this. Mm-hmm. Even though it talks to the same people ostensibly, I still I think rewind this is the better one of the two. Yeah, that's really enjoyable. I liked watching. Yeah, that's when I got really excited about. Yeah. I think adjust your tracking focuses a little more on the the collecting yeah. community. I guess is the best way uh, to me to differentiate the two. I've always felt that that's the big difference. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I, I, and then the thing that's interesting to me is Rewind This does a better job of, like, finding collectors of note. Um, I still think I just your tracking. I don't really understand why Julia Marques is in that movie. Just because she has a color-coded VHS collection, it doesn't really mention of note what she does or anything. And then there's a couple right at the beginning that has a ton of vhs tapes just stacked in the corner and they're not really it's just like oh we hoard well i think i think the thing with vhs to me and i i stand by this preamp i mean i think anyone can say you know 
I, for us, for us three, generationally, VHS is a huge part of our lives. Yeah. And I think that that's part of it's a nostalgia and stuff because it sure as hell isn't the advancement of the format. Otherwise, we'd be collecting Betamax, which I'm pretty sure is the hipster thing <laughs> or a super VHS. Yeah. Um, but I really think that, I mean, for me, VHS as a form, it really is for horror and cult and exploitation. You know, it's as much for Delta Force as it is for yeah, if Microwave Massacre. Yeah, if you're Massacre, buying VHS you know? now, it's primarily to pick up cool old, yeah. like... I don't need Gandhi on VHS. Yeah. I'm going to be okay with that. No, it. you need, like, like, Dr. Butcher MD. D, exactly. Or, yeah. You know, so I go, I guess, and that's the hard part, as like you were talking about, like, doing the, the tape hunting, is it's like, your chances of coming across a big box VHS, like a midnight video or something is pretty much nil now i mean unless you go to make garage sales or something like that but i check flea markets and goodwill and places and i have gotten some great tape finds here and there but overall like uh it's it's getting harder and that's what i look for mm-hmm. a lot of the um, does half price still have them yep yeah and they and they actually now have more of a separate horn cult section um and zia keeps theirs a lot of times on top of whatever the genre section is so if you're looking for them they don't have really except thunderbird has a separate vhs and a separate laziness selection i'm starting to find thunderbird to be more of the the last old school zia like the super cramped and yeah. it's my preferred one i like all the stores but because the other ones are newer, like the other one's starting to feel, it's got the old school pawn shop kind of style where sure. it's just so crammed. I mean, I love all the Zias, but the what Thunderbird's the- killing it with the VHS. That's where I got the Shocker Lace disc. Yeah. Great price. I got for like five bucks. That's not bad. One of the things I think is really interesting now is uh, Camelback was what I noticed of the Zias was the first one recently that got one of those cases like Amoeba Hollywood has with out of print DVDs. Which yep. I'm not usually a big fan of because it encourages this whole thing where, oh, you know, I like the idea of being able to find something cool in the wild and leave the eBaying for eBay. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I saw that they had like uh, Cool World for like uh, $40, I'm like, <sighs> yeah, Baby's Kids is like, like 60. 60. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny that, yeah, you talk about two of the big early 90s adult animated titans. Um, of the underground it's kind of interesting but they you know it's i don't know there's a lot and bookman's is always done i mean for time of our local retailers which i'm sure most people are familiar with that listen to our podcast i mean i feel like i still find stuff in the wild i at bolzia and bookman's that is mm-hmm. worth way more than they're charging and i appreciate it a ton but i also think that you know it, it's gonna it's harder and harder it's like i collect video games especially retro stuff I mean, I just went to Fall Games. I got a copy of, I have a Doom collection, the, uh-huh. the Doom, and it's um, I got it on 3DO. I actually own a 3DO, <laughs> and it's the worst port of Doom ever. But they had it in the original long box with jewel case with instructions and the CD for like thirty thirty five bucks. And it's like I gotta have it because yeah. it's so hard to find because nobody bought the 3DO because uh, it was seven hundred fucking dollars yeah. when it no, came out. No, I had a Neo Geo <laughs> and that thing was like a oh thousand. yeah yeah and the video games were like uh, 
a, a cheap used game was $140. Yeah. Like, I remember oh getting gosh. King of Fighters 94 for $140. I'm like, it's such a steal. Wow. You know? But one of the things that... Uh, I just think of Electronics <laughs> Boutique and Babbage's yeah. and, and software, et cetera. And you go in, I just remember seeing King of the Monsters. And I was yeah. like, oh, God, this looks so It was rad. a really cool game. But it was... It was a, it was a hundred and like sixty dollars for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just one thing I want to hit before I forget it. Um, yeah. So like uh, you know everybody knows I collect toys too as well. Um, one of the things that's really interesting is this week uh, McFarland Toys used to be like the kingpin of collecting. Like oh yeah, he the, launched it. Yeah, the, he, he killed it. So yeah. yeah, and they did the seven inch scale and everything. And now NECA clearly is on the undisputed king. They just put out a new. Uh, uh, this they've been doing these like ultimate action figures, which are really articulated, but you can't see any of the articulation. And it's uh, the 1984 Terminator, and it's in the police assault outfit with the 80s shades. Mm-hmm. And I got that one, and it's awesome. It comes with like alternate battle damage heads, and it does. It's totally dead on. It it's even like Arnold without eyebrows because he gets them burned off, and you can you know awesome the packaging is really cool because they've done two of these Terminator figures the one the first one they look like vhs big boxes first which is awesome yeah and the first one has like theatrical poster the u.s one with the red lines shooting off the second figure has the european poster on it so i'm like that's a really cool uh you know variant thing if they're going to keep going down this way but this this uh, this week, McFarlane re-entered the seven-inch action figure game because they've come out with this new series of seven-inch action figures called Color Tops, which I I actually had to research this online because I was like, what the hell does this mean? So basically, it's it each series is going to have like four figures, but it's all their licenses mixed up, kind of like movie maniacs. So they have like mm-hmm. Naruto figures and Assassin's Creed figures. And this will tell you, Oh, this is in the green series. It's really, I, you know, I, I was a huge McFarlane fan. I think that's really stupid. I would have called it movie maniacs or something, some old branding to try to get people into it. But yeah, just the idea color coded series without explaining what it is because it doesn't say anywhere on the box what it's about i thought you're talking about like chibis no, or no, something like no, no. japanese it, vinyl yeah. like that's what that name yeah that's kind of what it would involve for me so when i was at toys r us and they had three of these and uh the first the first three in the series are uh travis from don't fear the walking dead which i still think is one of the stupidest titles ever for a television <laughs> show um and they had rick and michonne from the walking dead I got a chance to check out the Michonne one. You can find they're they're all over Target and Toys R Us right now, and they're seven inch figures, like you know, old school. The Michonne one is like awesome. It looks like a miniature statue, but I think one of the things that's sort of indicative of how long he's been out of doing these really cool figures is they're basically they have cut joints, so they they have our she has like three articulations in her leg. It's but it's all set up for the same pose. So if you move it around, it just looks like you sliced her leg off and put it back in a weird spot. <laughs> and it, it kind of makes me sad because, like, the painting and the sculpt is really solid. Like, you can tell the different materials and everything. And uh, it's just, like, you kind of have to step up to what NECA's been doing now. I was talking to Jason. Yeah, and, and well, the NECA is th- – their sculpts are, are gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, we've We've talked about that privately before, but – 
I when I, I was talking to Jason on Saturday, and he had like his little Zia stuff out for all the Terminator Two stuff. Uh, I was saying, you know what? I'm over reaction figures. First of all, yeah. And when you mentioned that McFarlane's kind of getting into the game, I mean, I know that they're beautiful sculpts and everything like that, but isn't he just a little bit late? He is late, and it's kind of one of those things where, like, I don't think he he. I think he thought sports was going to carry them forever, and he let go of the movie stuff for that. And then he that tried was to, a big mistake. It was a huge mistake, and that's why NECA is so huge now. That because I mean, look at Funko Pops; they got licenses for everything yeah and that's one of the things that makes me sad is mcfarlane is kind of like playing catch up to everybody else like they have like a ripoff of lego they have a ripoff of funko right and now they're like no 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 we're back and you know like the rick figure like from certain angle it's just basically a scaled down version of their 12 inch figure and it looks really good but like the paint jobs on it are straight it looks like they're lost figures you know and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll probably end up getting, like, Michonne or Daryl eventually. Sure. But it's kind of one of those things where scale is important to collectors. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of made me sad. And most people now, I feel like it's gone by because I know people like me are more willing to invest in something that's $60 if it looks a lot better. Yeah. Well, and I think a big part of it, too, is, is that there's a huge, huge interest. Even I've gotten more into it um, and wanting to collect because I collect a lot of pack i keep a lot of stuff in package but i'm also one who likes i like a half and half i like my figures out of the package i like them in the package it just varies on which figure it is or how the packaging is if i can take them in and out easy but one of the big things i've noticed is that there is a, a big um interest in toy photography yeah. and setting up scenes i mean there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff on instagram you know and Pinterest, that, that's Snapchat, like one of those things know. neca even set up a contest to give away stuff for there's an app on your phone called Prisma for the best figure yeah. photography taken with a certain app. So they know what's up. Yeah, oh, totally. Well, and they, I mean, they always had their cult classics line and stuff, which really was their movie maniacs yeah. ripoff, you know. I mean, that's the thing. McFarlane was at the forefront, and it was it was a simple idea. There's a great article on McFarlane's rise in one of the older horror hound issues, and it's great on, on the movie maniacs, um, but it's... It's one of those things where it's like, you know, we make figures to that we would have wanted to see. And and now it's kind of like, well, a lot of figures are made. You know, it's getting pretty hard to find a property that hasn't been licensed that will still sell. Yeah. I mean, you may love, you know, Jason, any Friday the 13th figure is probably going to sell. But I don't think you're going to sell a Prowler figure. You know, it's just, it, it, it's just what it is. Yeah. But I do think now, like I said, Victor was hit on was that... Not only is it the higher quality paint and stuff, I want more articulation to make more poses for my photography, but I also want to be able to start people are creating. It's like I got into the one six scale thing recently within mm-hmm. the last year or so, and part of it is because it's it's having a museum quality piece, the sideshow, hot toys kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But the thing is, is now a lot of that is is that you're having companies like um, – NECA and some other ones, they're coming in and saying, look, you don't got to pay $400 for one of these right. when I can make it for 150 for you. Yeah. Or I can make it for 60 Like he was saying about the Michonne, it's like, wow, look, what a beautiful, it looks like a statue. And that's the thing, the, uh, like Sideshow and stuff, people still buy them. They has a huge community for this. They largely make you know high-end statues of various pop culture properties. But mm-hmm. it's like most people just don't want to pay um, you know, and have the risk, especially if they have something like kids in the house. Yeah. You know, you don't right. want to have a thousand dollar statue go crashing down. And most statues, including several I've have broken over the years. Just 
and I'm a, gentle as can be. It's just, they're just not built to last. So people want something that looks good, is high quality, and it's built. Yeah, and, and the, built one of, And one of the things about the sideshow stuff, uh, or well, even to, to a certain degree, the hot toy stuff, is they'll release something only for a certain number run. Yeah. And then it's done. So some of those things that I see, because I only recently got into the sideshow collectibles, uh, and have pulled the trigger on a f- on a few things. I'm v- I have to be very very careful because they are very expensive, yeah, and yeah. you don't want anything to happen to them. But they every every newsletter they send out or every other one will have oh this is the collector of the month or the collector of the week, mm-hmm. and you click on the pictures and look at some of the stuff that they have that they've released over I don't know how how long the company's been around more than over five a, years over a decade yeah. a decade. I I saw some of this stuff going. That is the most coolest thing. I mean, I if I knew that they've been around, I mean, I would be broke right now, just scrambling. They had one. This is the only one that I'll, I'll mention that I just was gushing over, and they don't make it anymore. They had the the Kali Ma. They had the oh, Temple I of Doom. That came out, yeah. One, well, you know, where he's like pulling the heart out of the yeah. dude and stuff, and he has like his little stones, and you could set it up to where uh, they had the the ladder that was hanging off, you know, and it was like this partial set piece. Yeah. I said, that is so cool. There's whole companies now that are set up to making uh, diorama yeah. displays for high-end pieces now. It's really cool. I mean, and that's the thing. But you're like, going to pay for it, you know? Yeah, because they try to make it at that same level, you know? And there's, like... A, the I, alien busts are really cool. They're really big, you know? They're, like, at least, like, two and a half feet tall. Yeah, and the thing is, like, right now, there, it's, so, it's so in the public awareness that, like, even things you wouldn't think appreciate and value like do like uh um the wwe figures that mattel does mm-hmm. which are really high quality like if you want to get some of the older ones that they you know of more obscure characters like um though the big one last week they put out this series it was a walmart exclusive called then now forever it was basically an excuse to re-release a figure of bam bam bigelow Oh, if you guys know, he's the guy in the '80s who like was bald and had tattoos on his head in a fire outfit. Right. Yeah, and uh, they put out a figure of him in the very first series of Mattel Legends, which was I don't know, like seven, eight years ago, maybe longer. And that figure goes for like two hundred dollars or more. It's beautiful. Yeah, and they put out a repaint, and like I straight, I went to like four different stores so I could find one. And literally, I bought one, and two seconds later, this guy was like. Because I only grabbed one. He's like, oh, I thought you were going to buy them both. I'm so happy you're leaving one. You know? But that's, I mean, and that was one. I I mean, got back into wrestling a few years ago and stuff. I mean, Victor's definitely the authority. But, I mean, man, uh, both for vintage and even some of the more modern pieces, I just saw something. I think it was What Culture Wrestling Online just did, like, the top ten most valuable figures. And it's like, Holy shit! Oh, it was, yeah, it was no. Kamala is going for like the one where it actually is the moon on it for yeah. vintage is like four thousand dollars, and it's yeah. like, well, yo, fuck! I was collecting the wrong thing. No, man. like wrestling figures, especially old LJN ones. Yeah, the LJN nostalgia. Stuff. Those go for like crazy amounts of money. I'm pretty sure if I could find a box of the ice cream sandwiches or the ice cream on a stick ones, and I it was preserved, I'm pretty sure I could sell it for a thousand bucks. No, and and that's just just one of those things, like, because, I mean, there's a whole industry set up just for selling accessories for those figures online that cost a lot of money. And, you know, 
almost everything. I wanted to see how much the Mola Ram statue is going for. Five fifty on eBay right now. Well, that's the statue, but then they have the the articulated oh. uh, action okay. figures. Oh, the hot toys. Oh, I didn't yeah, see the, the hot, hot toys. toys one. Yeah, like yeah. I had, I bought one. I bought a baby doll figure from Sucker Punch that yeah. Gentle Giant made eighteen inches in two thousand nine, and I bought it for two hundred and fifty dollars. And I remember, I if you go on eBay, those go for like two to three thousand dollars now, mm-hmm. and that's one of those things where like. It was one of the first 18-inch, uh, like, it was digitally scanned from the movie files and everything. They used to make the digital doubles of the actors. And the, I had an issue where, like, the pewter sword it came with, the holster for it snapped because they should have made it out of natural earth metals with magnets. And I had to find a guy who crafted, like, weapons for cosplay to fix it for me. And he <laughs> trembled in. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was crazy. And he was like, he had, I think he added magnets and everything to it because... I couldn't find somebody to do that cheap now, but I was like, oh, ah. sure. Because, yeah, uh, when I contacted General Giant, like, oh, we made those to order. We don't have any extra parts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's why I had with a few companies. But, and uh, if you really want the fertility idol, you can get it at the low, low price, the one to one scale of 2500 or the other one with free shipping for 4000 <laughs> Yeah, and just what the just to kind of like wind this up <laughs> since we want to get to the main topic too, like on the original VHS tick I was on, um, there's a fanzine called Lunch Meat VHS. Lunch Meat Rules. And right now they're doing a, a fundraiser for uh, Lisa Hammer, who if you watch The Venture Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, she's the voice of Triana Orpheus, and she was uh, – she was Doc Hammer's uh, uh, first wife, and I guess right now she's battling cancer. So they're put together a VHS collection of all her short films and this like cult horror movie she did called Puss Bucket, and all the all the proceeds to that go to uh, her legal her uh, her medical costs as she fights a uh, like pretty invasive cancer right mm. now. So if you go to Lunch Meat VHS. Uh, they have that up. It's basically it's a really cool box set of all her like experimental films and everything. Cool. And um, yeah, like one of the things I when I went out of town, I I try to find a lot of these like older films on that are out of print. And I we went to Minnesota last year, and I got like a DVD copy of of uh, Chopping Mall, mm-hmm. this Jim Lenorski movie that came out on Vestron Video. That's like. I thought it was never gonna come out on Blu-ray, but it turns out Lionsgate owns the Vestron Video Library, so right. now they're putting out a shit ton of these <laughs> older. No, they like. I like. No, I just liked your pause between shit and ton. ton. Yeah, they're they're putting out a all of a, a ton of these all at once under the Vestron Video. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's, presents this is label. Yeah, which. To me, it's interesting in a lot of ways because it shows how far the Criterion model has come. And basically, Criterion was set up to, like, we're spotlighting these, the best films of cinema. And as Blu-ray and DVD sales kind of tank now mm-hmm. because of, you know, digital and because we've sort of made films expendable, companies like Shout Factory, they created their Scream Factory label, and that became kind of, like, the criterion for horror then arrow video in the uk kind of were the other criterion for horror mm-hmm. and now and now uh, lionsgate is like well this is our criterion <laughs> for horror so all these really obscure like 80s and 90s horror movies are getting like you know the what the lawrence of arabia treatment 
treatment would get you know like 20 years ago and it's Mm -hmm. kind of amazing so i guess the first series it's gonna have blood diner yep which is a terrible movie but you know well it was what it was was lionsgate like he says owned all these films and had done shit with years ago they put out it was an eight pack it was a walmart exclusive and it was blood diner waxwork one and two choppy mall uh 976 evil 2 and all of those films uh i mean 976 evil 2 blood diner choppy models most of them have not gotten a release ever um on dvd or blu-ray in the states it was just a dvd but um you know it's finally nice to see a lot i my big thing like i mentioned i just saw zach galligan up in vegas was Waxwork is one of my favorite horror comedy films mm-hmm. of all time. I love Blood Diner. I love Choppy Mall. I love a lot of those classics. And it's nice to see, yeah, that they're finally... That was like four or five years ago that they put out that eight-pack. Yeah. And they're finally doing something with it now. And Yeah, know, because they've waited for everyone else to kind of make the market. You know, so that, like... Especially some of those titles, people have been crying for, like, Return of the Living Dead 3 specifically. Yeah, yeah. And Chopping Mall. Um, I'm trying to remember what other... They're putting out Waxwork 1 and 2 as a two-pack. Yeah. Uncut, though. Waxwork, for the first time ever, will be uncut. Um, the 100-minute version. So that's amazing. But it's just... It is. It's just that people... Uh, you know, I'm sure... Oh, and Chud, too. Bud yeah, the Chud. Chud. Bud the Chud was the other one. I knew Which, there was one that was missing. And then two days later, Arrow announces they're putting out Chud. Yeah. So if you love Chud, this is your year. You're getting them. But here's the thing I was really, I'm kind of interested in talking about is the fact that when Lionsgate announced this label, they were pricing these at $40 a pop. Yeah. And about a week later, that MSRP jumped down to (laughs) $27.99 after everyone, their mom, was like fuck you well i think diabolic had already bulk priced them down diabolic dvd is an awesome retailer um for both imports and domestics i'm um, speaking of which time about jumping fucking prices fast is i'm so glad i bought i'm one of the 500 people who bought the herschel gordon lewis box set oh, yeah. which was massive um the uk version was up for days and the U.S. version of this box set sold out in like four hours, mm. um, and it wasn't cheap. It was two hundred and twenty-five or two hundred thirty bucks, but sold out hours. I've heard people are already trying to sell it for over a thousand. Yeah, and it's like it's just crazy because I, I you know, I yeah, yeah, sorry, no, 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 no. I just want to segue into what Adam had said about you know why you know talking about the the Temple of Doom statue. It's like it's like s- people want to keep things limited to the point where they know they can sell it's like a guaranteed sell through but then they also it's like then it's kind of like um you know a lot of these limited items you know it's like oh god it's killing my bank account but then at the same time certain things i'm like they're just gonna bring it back they're going to because they want to make more money off of it right nobody only wants to sell 50 or 100 of something if they can sell a thousand potentially but you got to be real narrow with your margins you know who's really good with that with uh dvds was kevin smith double dipping like every six mm. months re-releasing yeah. like dogma like three or four different versions and criterion doing chasing now you AMP. have uh star wars a force awakens is coming out again on blu-ray but this time finally the 3d version yeah. which we knew what was going to happen anyways uh you have well, now fury you have a- road is coming out with the black and white but box you also set got with extra features everybody you know? doing 4k now yeah, yeah, now you got the 4K. Well, this is one of those things I think is really interesting for all the hate that uh, genre film gets. It's re- literally what keeps 
the home video True. market alive. Because yeah. really, no one's going to buy copy uh, a super extended version of the King's Speech or any, <laughs> you know, pe- but people Daddy's will pay home. for Unrated. a black and white Mad Max Fury Road. Right. And it's one of those things that, you know, as a film aficionado, it kind of irritates me because, you know, people act like genre slumming, but really it almost seems like people do real quote unquote, you know, the Miramax Oscar bait for, you know, some kind of price bump for genre movies. Well, and all I was going to say real quick was on those films that Lionsgate had, you know, they were being bid up by all those studios you mentioned. Yeah. Arrow and, you know, based on international or UK or domestic, you know, whatever the rights were. It's all about, it's like, then they were like, ah, we could really make some money off this. So, yeah, they came late to the game and too high of a price point. But, you know, it's it's it shows that the demand is there. And that is true. There really is a demand for limited stuff. And the fact is, and we've talked about a million times, the flippers and the, you know, the vultures are always yeah. going to be there in anything and everything. But, you know, you... You kind of, like I said, Victor, see, it's the salvation. Yeah. Like, this stuff would not exist if people not only did not ask for it, of course, but bought it. And it, it keeps going forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and speaking of things that are being made as a commodity. Uh, and going on forever. Is this about going, Crystal Pepsi? No. Oh, which okay. I bought a can of, but I still haven't opened. Um, I will say that uh, Suicide Squad came out last week, shattered the August opening record for Guardians of the Galaxy, and then subsequently had a 70% drop in box office the week after because these movies are kind of being made now as just like big burst then drop to kind of you know in the sense of like even harry potter movies the very last one or the very last twilight movie everyone goes to see it on the first weekend just because it's there and then drops like a brick and we're right now at the tail end of summer and we're going to talk a little bit about suicide squad and sausage party and then i think the last three big uh the last three big summer movies open this friday which are Ben-Hur from Fox, War Dogs from Warner Brothers, and Kubo and the Two Strings from Laika, the people who did Coraline. And uh, we can talk about that a little bit. I'm actually pretty excited about Kubo and the Two Strings because Laika always does quality stuff, and I like Japanese folktales. And I think that has a good chance of being like a big sleeper movie like um, oh, it's a hard sell. No, to me, it's gonna. I feel like it's gonna be something like uh, the Book of Life. Yeah. Well, the hard part now with the kids' films and stuff they talk about a lot was is that you know obviously like a film like Ice Age, it's series, it's run its course. Even Finding Dory, despite busting all these records and stuff, didn't have the legs in the end that they expected. I mean, it's mm. still phenomenal, but it was. Oh well, yeah, I'm still the opinion Pixar needs to stop doing sequels. Yeah, they did. Walt, yeah, Walt Disney Animation is kicking their ass with the original stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's going to continue. And I think um, you know that's a big thing. And obviously, you know, you have another remake in Ben Hur. Um, you know, all, this time, I guess, as I understand it, there's a lot of um, I didn't notice till very recently was that there's a lot of controversy. No, oh. in uh, the like conservative and christian communities because i guess they really it's not at all religious it's more like we're gonna do this as a straight action yeah, like movie. yeah you know, gods s- of egypt or something i'm seeing yeah. it tomorrow and i'm very curious about christ be with you i i guess it's gonna be something along the lines of noah 
I get a feeling, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. also was one of the hardest watches yeah. I've ever experienced. I mean, the God, the Exodus, God, or uh, Out of Egypt was one of the hardest movies too. It's just because it's you can do it. Or I mean, like you know, people will say whatever they want based on opinion. But I mean, you can't see a film like Passion of the Christ and not go, man, that was intense. Like it's an intense movie mm-hmm. and the rest of these it's like wow i don't even know what you're doing here it's not just like remaking um whether you want to consider you know truth or uh a story or whatever but i mean you know what depending the, on your your aspect but or what was viewpoint. the joseph fines one that came out risen 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 they were they were touting that as like if you loved passion of the christ well i think they were trying to do more of a um as historical theologically accurate one they could i think it did good money i mean but i think for the christian market films obviously like these god's not dead and uh, uh miracles from heaven this kind of hallmark kirk cameron stuff yeah. is obviously because they make it for nothing and then you get enough of these mega church uh filled yeah. with rich white people who go oh hey god you know I, i'd love to go volunteer at a shelter but i'm gonna go see jennifer garner instead well they can take their whole congregation well they can because they it, is- it's all about well we're just gonna we do everything together it's it's yeah. and i you know i i have a big they don't have to worry about things, it but i remember this was maybe when did glory come out uh, 87 yeah 88 80s. somewhere somewhere 90, around yeah, there or 89 it was in the 80s yeah it's definitely the late 80s it's probably 88 i'm thinking yeah they they took our entire class yeah. to see that and i was in junior high at that time it's rated r because of the the violence you know mm-hmm. people's the 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 big you know what the hell cannonballs you know will blow the guy's 89. leg off in 89 yeah i was so, gonna say i think it was 89 so i was in ninth grade that we had to have our parents sign off that we could go see it. And the kids that didn't go were the ones, not that they were sensitive to the violence, well, I guess they were, but were the the hardcore Christian kids Uh who are just like, you know, we can't go see an R-rated movie. Well, I just just think it's just one of those things where, I mean, you know, that's a... You know, maybe a topic later and stuff, but I do think that in discussing it, I are just, you writing down all these topics of later? Sure, yeah, of course. <laughs> I I anticipate Adam doing it, man, because if you don't know, Adam is the king of lists. Well, I got a big list. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go back to something list. a little. Yeah. Once this summer's over, we'll go yeah, to yeah. Like but some... no, I just I think that in terms of, but you're talking about like even it really does uh, tie into what Victor was saying about how you keep movies alive, like how you keep cinema <laughs> business and stuff. In a lot of his niche markets, I well, mean, yeah, it's why that, there's foreign language films being released sometimes without subtitles, based solely on the fact that they know people will go and see it sure. because they have an interest. Sure, and that's important. And I think that religious films are going to continue to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have all your different film genres: your blockbusters, your Oscar bait, your um, you know, animated, your family features. Um, your sequels, you know, you, you, I mean, always has been standard, but in the last 10 to 20 years, you have, you know, on each hand, five, 10 total, like big genre that you put, these are your temples. This is what you're banking on for this or that. Yep. 
and then because cinema's become more independent in a lot of respects and more rogue, you can kind of do what you want. And a lot of people are saying, well, all we need to do is tie into a social media campaign or a congregation or a group. We just need to get people behind this. Right. And once we do, we'll have success. Yeah. And then you notice now, too, and we, we've discussed this before, how many uh, production companies are in the opening credit, or even before the credits start rolling, yeah. before you see anything on the screen, you'll see like eight different companies yeah, that have back to the just film. like one. One or two. Like eight. Well, and even just to tie back into what like Kirby was saying, um, I think next week there's a uh, new movie from, uh, who's the studio doing this? I'm not totally positive. I'm Please looking. say A24. Please say A24. Focus features. Oh, Focus. They're putting out this movie called A Tale of Love and Darkness that based on this book by Amos Oz. And it's 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 directed and stars Natalie Portman. It's about uh, the birth of the state of Israel as uh, the, the Palestine territory is ended by England, and the whole movie is in Hebrew. Oh wow! The whole movie is in Hebrew. So I mean, it's not just Christians. It's sure. you know. Oh no no, and I didn't mean yeah. it like that. I mean, like no, I no, said, no 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 no. You I, can definitely. Well, that's what. But no, it's but about it some, That's that's. Focus features. That's Universal Pictures. Yeah. It's not, you know, they know, like, there's a niche for that, you know? Yep. And, and that's all you need. Yeah. And that's, I mean, just just to segue into something kind of that's basically related to this, then there's the opposite of that with Sausage Party, which <laughs> is, you know, I don't know if a lot of our listeners are familiar with something called Veggie Tales, which is basically these... Uh, Probably are, because those Christian were... Christian CGI cartoons. Yeah, those are big in the 90s. Yeah, where it's like, you know, these fruit that lives on a counter, and then they use it, to sh- they show it to kids, and they teach Christian morals. And Sausage Party is, well, let's find out where these, you know, supermarket and these, you know, fruits and vegetables and meats find out that there is no God and that's basically like the gist of that movie. It's it's really a, you know, it's it's an audacious movie in a lot of ways, like because the CGI is like Pixar quality. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, it is high end, like yeah. way more than I expected. I th- and if you saw the marketing for it, you think, oh, this is like Ice Age or Shrek or something, and then you go to see this movie that has like an eight minute long food orgy at the end. Don't Lit- spoil it. Didn't didn't that's in all the reviews? Yeah, it it is. The ending is absolutely amazing. Didn't they accidentally show a trailer for it before Finding Dory? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a red band trailer too, not the green band either. So, yeah, they um the original trailer I thought was great was just also just the idea, of course, of um you know consider it from the perspective of what is it like um you know we're going hey we're going to the great beyond we're gonna you know here we are. I'm ready, you know, is this religious ecstasy. And then it's like, oh, we're going to peel you and put you in boiling water with, like, the potatoes, the first to go. Uh-huh. And just the horror of the idea of it. And I do think it, um, you know, works. It was – I went and saw it last night. It was the first um, – uh, you know, I really wanted to see this based – one, I, I was completely impressed with the animation. Yeah. It When I saw the trailer, I was like, this looks really good. Now it's one of those ones you kind of talk about, like Forty Old Virgin. You know the Seth. This is a Seth Rogen, Jeff, or um, huh. Gold, Evan Goldberg, Evan Goldberg, Goldberg Seth Rogen, Rogen written piece. I haven't know. seen it, so I don't so know. no. Well, it's, it's, it, to me, it's really interesting when you realize the fact that uh, you know Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg also produced Preacher. Yeah, that's true. There's a very so I'm, I'm guessing they have a very strong secular interest in kind of 
you know, like in a in a Bill Maher kind of way. Well, yeah, of course, where it's, um, you know, I think that those, you know, they well, there is part of it and stuff. I don't know if it's quite the religious uh, um, level because I don't, I didn't feel honestly that Sasha's party was particularly heavy handed in anything in its message. No, I think it was presenting that message yeah. the same way like Veggie Tales yeah. would. It like, was very, more, you know, like let's nudge you towards the idea that there is no God, you know. Yeah. And, well, it just, it's an interesting, like I said, it, was, it, it definitely was unexpected, the ending, and not just the orgy, but just what happens, the, the climax, again, not the orgy, <laughs> climax, the the regular, you know, it's just that it goes down a line, and uh, one thing that was, uh, I kind of almost put it on par in some respects with a South Park bigger, yeah, longer that's, cut. In my, in my review, that's pretty much, yeah. where it's like the stepchild of those movies. Where it's in Beavis and Bud do America a little bit, but it, it really is more crass than you expect in terms of its language. It's very kiddish, but you also have to realize that when you're looking at this, they're supposed to be like teenagers at best in terms of age, like uh-huh. nobody's, you know, the only people who are old are the non-perishables, you know, <laughs> and they create their own universe with it. And that's probably what makes it better and more interesting is, is that it's not just one thing. Um, you know, it's not a one trick pony. Now I'm still digesting as how much I actually liked it. Yeah. But- it's, it's hard to say. Like, I mean, to me, there's, there's a lot to be applauded in the terms of them making a movie like this. In hindsight, there's a lot of things that I find kind of lazy about it. Like all, there's an overly broad racial and ch- sexual stereotypes are used in this a lot, and I think it was kind of lazy. I mean, I know they're using it as like storytelling shorthand, but having the Twinkie be called Twink and act like an overly feminine, feminine gay, you know, character is kind of uh, short-sighted. I also, in, like, the Mexican food, we're all like, oh, senor, I'm so tired. Like, that kind of, it's kind of, and then it's a, it's not a Mexican person doing the voice. So yeah. At that point, you're like, that kind of bothers me a little bit, you know. But I kind of understand at the same time what they're going for. Like, oh, let's make the Chinese food section look like stereotypical Chinese. It's, you know, it makes for an easier visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. But I feel like. Uh, maybe people with a little bit more skill could have handled it a little bit better because some of the stuff is good and I don't want to spoil that. Yeah. Well, no, it's just, it, it is the caricature. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not untrue. I mean, if you go into a lot of grocery stores, I mean, you have the Hispanic aisle and there's yeah. Mexican flags everywhere and like, you know, typical mm-hmm. Cinco de Mayo kind of stuff. And then you have like the Asian section will have like a pagoda or something. It's, you know, looks, you know, vaguely Asian, yeah. um, you know, a mishmash of them all. Just like I said, it's Mexican flags and it's the Hispanic section. Like Mexicans are the only Hispanic. Right. So it, it is, I get what you're saying that. And yes, it is voiced. I mean, there's very few. Selma Hayek, I think, is one of the only ones yeah. who actually is. And then you have like. Edward Norton as, of course, the total nebbish yeah. um, Jew, Jewish bagel. And, you know, the whole story of him with the lavash, who is the total typical Muslim, uh, Arab, you know, kind of almost, I mean, borderline, what the hell is the one that Jeff Dunham does? I mean, it kind of, the, yeah. Ahmed, the Ahmed dead terrorist. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's it, he does say Alu Akbar at one point. It's, yes. It's, it's just, kind of, yeah. It's just kind of, but, and then you have, like, the one, like, to me, it was, like, a huge surprise was, um, again, trying to keep it spoiler-free as general as possible, like, Nick Kroll is a douche. 
literally, yeah, and literally. Uh, does a great job with the voice and everything as this totally like, roided out douche. Um, and it, it actually ends up working pretty well. Like, there's some definitely some odd pieces when they go out into the real world and the great beyond. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, there's definitely some interesting characters from there that ends up working. Um, and again, perspective to me was the big part of this film. Certain ones from literal their perspective, from the food items perspectives, but also in the way in which the animation was done. Yeah, I liked. It was very cinematic. I guess is the best way you could describe it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and that ended up being good competition for Suicide Squad in its yeah, second real week, big. which. I think we were all expecting Suicide Squad to be something. Be the savior of the year. Yeah. It, and it's, it's Spoiler, that didn't happen. No. Oh, yeah. I think I think it's one of those things where the trailer promised a different movie than we were getting, and then the subsequent trailers kept hyping that up. In hindsight, if you watch the first trailer, it promises this really weird, melancholy movie. I only saw... Well, I don't know which trailer. I saw the, the one the that San had the San Diego Comic Con trailer the, from last year. Uh, the hell if I remember. Yeah, I saw the one with the with the Queen. Yeah, the very first one had this really melancholy cover of the BG song. Like I started. Yeah, joke. that one I remember. I don't remember that one. Yeah, and it was really dark, and I'm like, oh wow, this looks really interesting, and it was very cinematic. I was like, oh, I want to see this movie, and then they kind of. Gar- they somewhere along the way they decided well we, this is kind of like guardians let's kind of skew it this way and that trailer became super popular mm-hmm. with all these bright colors and everything and then the movie we get is it's hard to say because there's really good character performances in this movie mm-hmm. it's like good characters in a music video that kind of resembles a movie on a surface level, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it again, but not until it comes out. I've seen it twice on video. Now. Uh, but that's the review right there. Yeah. On yeah. a surface level, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. That's. I mean, honestly, that's that's a great. Yeah. One liner. Yeah. I, I, there just wasn't. There were there were things that they started that they didn't finish though, and that's the the issues that I have. Yeah. There were elements of it that seemed a lot more interesting than the bulk of the movie itself. Then. We had to tie it up with the with the the uh, spoilers. By the well, not really. It's a kind of goes through the arc of the whole thing. The blue light in the middle of the city going up oh, into yeah. the sky. I'm I'm so I sick think we're of, all right of with making this that. bit of spoiler cast. Yeah, yeah well, it's yeah. it's been out a couple yeah. weeks. I mean, I I don't think it's either you're too bad see it or not. If, you read, if you read our not. review, you get it. If you've seen it, you know it. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, we're not on the fresh train right now. No, it's been the out question the is, while. if you were to say. What's the plot of this movie? Because when you talk about, because it's a good point that you bring up the trailers oh, and yeah. the evolution. If you of watch them. the trailers of this movie, you think it's the Suicide Squad is going to take out the Joker, hundred percent, and and Harley is like the inside man that's kind of in between the exactly. two. Exactly, that's 100%. exactly what you would think this movie is about. That he's attacking them from a helicopter, and then when you get and watch the movie, and like I said. This is your point of no return. You haven't seen it, but I'm sure you've seen it at this point. <laughs> Too late You now. get this really bizarre Ghostbusters knockoff. Because that's what it is. It's Gozer. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's yeah. uh incub the the is Go- is Gozer and the main villain is the Enchantress Azul. Yeah, and you would not get that at all from watching any not of the trailers. Though I love the Enchantress. Yeah, yeah. Well, She's except except at where the part where it's like she's showing him their thing and it's like oh he, she's cradling him and it's yeah. like you know the it's the death is nothing i'm like yeah your fucking eyebrows yeah. are though jesus christ man <laughs> i'm sorry that's one thing with people going oh my god it's the most amazing like paper towns and the hook one the movie oh, I was, pan. pan i was like oh my god the eyebrows just kill me sorry oh, yeah. that's my okay. least but my big issue with the movie in the end and victor hit on it right there it was music video the editing on this movie, I, I just yeah. do not understand. And my big problem was this. I looked at it. I'm just going to start fresh at the beginning real quick because I want to say that's my big thing with this movie was the way it should have been set up. This could have been one of the easiest, funnest origins is her, Viola Davis, sitting at the table, giving him the files, and you'd have had the great intro where you didn't have to bog it down because the, the um, flashbacks and – uh, you know, kind of minutia is well woven through the rest of the films for each of the characters. But they started off and they got, of course, highlight Deadshot and Harley Quinn. Then they Who go get introduced in the movie, movie three separate three times. times and then got the title screen. And then you go in and it's like, um, you're just going, why was that necessary? What you guys take lessons from amazing Spider-Man or something? Like, what is your problem? Like, I just do not get this. Is it just fan service? Is it that those stars made more of a demand? Or you're you're just an idiot? Like this is pointless. I mean, mm-hmm. it totally bogged down the energy. Yeah, of the, the movie very for beginning me. of the movie where it has dead shot. Oh, is he just in a cell? In his cell, yeah. And then he they start beating him up, and they offer him like some kind of loaf dish, and then they tase Harley. Then the credit. That whole thing is why is this in the movie exactly because they introduced deadshot again not three minutes later sorry i was banging right. the table not three minutes later they introduced deadshot with his fleshed out yeah backstory. And all i can think is having seen it twice it's just to introduce the fact that um ike Barinholtz's security guard is a dick which we also get later so he actually gets introduced more than plus once. you gotta have the batman yeah, um, you gotta throw Batman there. He's not in that opening little intro. No, 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 yeah. in the later one. Yeah. But what I mean is, is how they were like. Where I'm saying it's um, the poor editing and stuff is is that like it's an afterthought. Like, yeah. We should have Batman that one. Harley Quinn. God, how can we get the Joker backstory in? But they could have put him in at different we're, times. We're gonna and have work. a little discussion about the Joker <laughs> in this movie. Well, that too. <laughs> but I mean, I I just want to focus first on something that I think is is really important in this movie because it is to me the crux of how adam summed it up was me on the surface i liked it it's i can't watch Mm. it again till it comes out for me personally and it's because i i kind of the way victor explained the batman v superman i'm hoping for that three-hour version where i feel like everything is going to be set right that's my hope i think david ayer is too much of a egotist to allow that to happen that could be but i i hope so i would love to see the version of this where i feel it flows naturally. Well, yeah. you're gonna get you're gonna get the fan edits. You're gonna get the people who are th- gonna reorganize the movie, so it, it this, flows better. This is one of those things. I saw it. I saw it at the Cine Capri for our review, and then I saw it later on at on IMAX 3D because I'm like, you know, I saw it the first time. I'm like, 
you know, I like it. And the second time, it's like, you know, I still like the character performances. Mm-hmm. But you can tell there's there's stuff chopped up from everywhere. There's right. just huge scenes missing. And the fact that some of the performances still work that way is awesome. Right. All right, performances. Go with the Joker, oh, man. No, no, Let's no, hear no, 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 no. Let's hear I it. think the well, best one performance other thing in this movie is the character Diablo. The oh, Am loves Diablo. Diablo. Yeah, Jay Hernandez. Jay Hernandez. Yeah. You got to get his Funko Pop because it looks so wicked. Yeah. It looks really good. And this this is one of those things where like how DC is way more short-sighted than Marvel in a million ways because nowadays NASA is even putting Rocket and Groot on one of their official yeah, right, yeah. patches, right? And these were nothing characters before. No one gave a shit about Groot. Nobody knew who Groot was. Right. And a talking raccoon. Here we have... Diablo, who's basically this character who's a gangbanger with pyrokinetic powers. Mm-hmm. It could be a total nothing role. He could have given it, him his own movie. Yeah. He could have gone. This could have been like a springboard to like, we created this new character. It could have been like blood in, blood out. Yeah, but it, in a it, Marvel, t- you're a DC to, universe. Yeah, just to put this in perspective, Harley Quinn was created on a cartoon show. Now she's DC's most popular character. Imagine if Paul Dini and Bruce were like, all right, let's kill her at the end of the series. That, that's yeah. exactly what happens here. Like the guy who comes out the best in this whole movie, a nothing character, no one knew shit about. It gets an awesome story arc, gets a redemptive arc, and they're like, kill him. Yeah, it's so stupid and short sighted. I like, I literally, even uh, two weeks later, I can't wrap around my head around that. I'm like, did you guys watch this movie? Like, I, I loved his performance. Yeah, it's just funny to me that I'm sorry, her name is escaping me, but. I love Viola Davis. She was my oh, favorite. Waller. Yeah. She's Waller. She was my favorite part of the whole movie. Her performance, it's just the antithesis of Agent Coulson. It's just such yeah. a perfect idea to have, which is the real deal government, black ops, like, you know, um, we're going to kill everybody who gets in our way or anything that She's might lead back to us. She's actually the most villainous character exactly. in that whole movie. And that's you what makes that, the role. A big chunk of that movie is them trying to rescue her from a, from a, a building which is right next to the you know floating tower of doom or whatever where she has like four or five other characters that they give dialogue right and just as they're about to rescue them all she just pulls out a gun and kills every one of these people they have clearance that's genius man that's genius on so many levels to me personally yeah so it's got some great performances i and even though it's subtle amount of lines i thought the killer croc stuff was great too yeah killer i see literally killer croc and diablo I think Killer Croc is especially because like, I've noticed the price for Killer Croc's action figures has gone way up. Oh yeah, and uh, but yeah, Diablo it, he got like a Walmart exclusive toy, and you can't find it anywhere now. But it, it's one of those things where like he actually gets the dialogue like "You guys are my family, and I won't let them." Get, you know, he brings the team together. Mm-hmm. But somehow I don't know what it is where like they like no Will Smith has to have the hero moment, which he does. And I'm fine with contract. that. Yeah. And so does Harley. For Harley some... had to have the last blow. I knew that yeah. was going to happen in the movie. They, it was I, either in the contract or that people would lose their mind if she didn't have the final it's, blow. It, well, it, it's, the, it's the character. It's because that's, like you said, it's the most popular character. So oh, yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. matter who the actress was. No, yeah. no, no, no. I didn't mean it like that. I meant like that kind of thing. Whereas well, like, Will Smith... That's Will Smith, so he needs as much screen time, as much quips as. And I and I don't want to dog Will Smith either. No, I thought he was Jay Hernandez, Will Smith, uh, Margot Robbie, and Viola Davis. 
carry this movie this movie's limping corpse over the finish line to make it like this is why you need to watch that movie it's like independence day independence day is a shitty movie but clearly you watch it for will smith and you know jeff goldblum stealing the movie and randy quaid because those three guys it's it's a good analogy you know because independence it's a good dynamic too with those with those three you know it's like Movie stars can carry shitty movies into making them good movies. Right. And this is kind of what it is. It's like, this movie on its surface level is not a great movie. You know, I think Batman vs. Superman is a much better movie overall. And Zack Snyder probably had more pull, even though they cut out all the important shit and they had to put it in the Ultimate Edition. It Ultimate Edition is still a solid movie that if you know DC Comics lore... You'll get, you'll get it. You might not agree with the Watchmen type slant they took with it, but it's still a good movie. Suicide Squad, um, it's like it's okay, you know. And mm-hmm. it, that's for a summer temple. Just thing. don't think about it yeah, too much. You have to kind of turn your brain. Now off. the the only thing that I thought was really bringing the whole film down, other I really didn't buy it. the the editing wasn't so jarring for me. Until I reflected more on it a few days later. But what I thought was too excessive was a lot of the gunfighting. Yeah. The, the sequences were just way too long or just played out too much. And I had to ask Ian on the way home. I said, can you look him up on IMDb? Because I forget what other movies he did. So David did uh, you know, end Training Day, End of Watch. I'm like, oh, he's doing like all these like kind of internal military uh, movies. So it makes sense that you know, that would be more of his forte and they had put that up in the front. Yeah, I think end of watch is the main reason it's about crooked cops. You know, yeah. well so is training day. Well yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like you could tell that like the first trailer, watch the very first scene you you said, Oh, this is where they're going. Like these hard boiled cons being forced to something like Young Blood, you know, where it, where it's like it's just a PR thing and we're or like you know, we need our own heroes. Mm-hmm. And I felt they did a good job setting that up where they were saying, like, oh, Superman's dead, so we need a government strike right. team. Yeah. Then you end up with a mission where, ostensibly, you really only needed Deadshot and uh, Diablo because nobody else really does anything. You basically have Harley Quinn. That's why you have to turn your brain off. That's why you have to turn your brain off. um, And even there, it's Captain uh, Boomerang who stumbles into the movie at random moments. That really felt like wow. Maybe you could have gotten Danny McBride for this. Like there was a lot of things where I was just like questioning certain things. But it's to me, it's just um, parts. It's just it's. I felt the same way. It's it's not. Mm. It wasn't immediate. It was after. I was like. (laughs) <laughs> Try to remember the plot of the movie. Try to remember how it all went, like in the exact well, order. Good luck with that. Here's right. the plot of the movie. I didn't say that. No, no, I said no, the I scenes can tell you. It's in not order. That. No, no, no. The plot of the movie is very simple. I got that. No, no. Boy Viola Davis sets up the Suicide Squad. The main person is Enchantress. Then Enchant. Then even though she has really no way of controlling her, they send her right. into a, yeah. a hostage she, situation she where she to... instantly turns. Right. And then yeah. it's like, oops, fix my fuck no, up. No, I meant, it, it, what I'm yeah. saying is, tell me each major scene in order. Oh, Good yeah. luck with that. Because, no. It, and I, there's movies I re-watch, can do that. When you rewatch this movie, rewatch the scene with Joker and Harley Quinn in the helicopter a hundred percent of uh, Jared Leto's dialogue in that scene is looped. He's talking even when his lips aren't moving. Hmm. 
So you know they did a lot of surgery there. I was like, whoa, this is, yeah, something. Yeah. But, like, it, and it's weird because I feel like I'm knocking it a lot at the same time. It's. But let's go I into feel, that. That's super important, though, yeah. is to talk about the Jared Leo Joker. Not only yeah, because which he was totally tap dancer on completely. But no, no, no. But that was important is, is first to say that he, you, the trailers portrayed him as the villain, the primary yes. antagonist. Yes. There is no doubt that that was the way it was played up, especially with the the Scarface gunfire and the helicopter and all the stuff. Yeah. It was like, wow, man, they're going to go into the heart of the city and this is going to be, you know, Joker's taking over the sea. It's a yeah. Dark Knight Rises kind of look or Dark Knight. Everybody's in fear, you know, and then it's like, wait, what? What's going on? Yeah. The Joker is in this movie for six minutes total screen time the entire movie which is two hours long but but at least they didn't go with like his origin story yeah we find out very little about the joker other than he really likes the antword videos he's a gangsta he's ninja he's damaged he is ninja he yeah. really is it's it's ninja with a grill and uh ninja does have a grill with some no 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 I, no, no no that's what i mean it's like it's it's totally the the no but everything like it's piecemealed largely from yeah he's like he's like david bowie meets uh scarface meets ninja yeah with mr cartoon yeah flash all over him yeah, like that's it, pretty much it. And it's like uh, on the surface, you only get one scene where you can actually two. You get two scenes where you can judge his performance, where they kidnap Ike Barinholtz, and when he's in a club with Common, right, for yeah. about a minute and a half. And the scene with Common is really bipolar. Yeah, it's not good at all. It's it's it felt so. Uh, staged wrong, executed wrong, and literally execution <laughs> yeah. wrong, where it didn't make sense. I could understand where on paper that would seem like, oh, he just turns on a dime like that. Yeah. But it felt like I, it just the, didn't the, work. The thing of it is I've seen that scene in too many things. Like I was, I've been watching Vikings Oh, we lately. knew what was happening. Lately mm-hmm. we're like, oh, you know, um, the king of, offers the one of his you know, under bosses his woman. Right. Anytime that happens, you know the turn is coming. Oh, sure. Because hey, so, once they start making out, you know, there's dead. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Right, right, That's right. what I consider yeah. all those scenes to be. And it is. It's very, it can be very tense, but in that one, it didn't feel it tense at all. It wasn't tense right. at all. You just kind of like, oh, And okay. I was just kind of like, like, Common was like, oh, yeah, you got a badass bitch, Joker. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got <laughs> the awesome, sexy Harley Quinn. And I'm like, oh, oh God. And then his voice, where it's like, he can't decide if he's doing like this, like, <laughs> Tony Montana as Heath Ledger or a bad Mark Hamill. And, like, I wish there was more to judge him on, but it just it comes across this, like, you know, are you talking to me? Ah! <laughs> you know, that's his voice. It's it's like it's it's Al Pacino doing a Heath Ledger impression. Yeah, I can see the Al Pacino in there. Yeah. I actually didn't mind him. I just thought it was that's just because he was only in it for six minutes. Yeah, he, yeah. he didn't have a chance. That, a lot yeah. of the scenes are so displaced. Yeah, it's hard to tell. But yeah, that scene's kind of bad. But then the scene where he has with Ike Barinholtz, where it's like it, he walked into some kind of like New Orleans rap video, 
where you know everyone's drinking you know crunk. well that scene was very much reminded me of training day yeah i liked that scene where he was like really hard and then he turned on a dime and being this like weirdly overtly sexual See, and, I'm like, and that, and I that was like, worked that. as I opposed like to the common thing yeah it was worked. kind of like okay turn i on like this yeah. yeah and either you got to go full on out or you got to do something that's uh g- creepy just turning around and shooting the guy because you're trying to prove a point to i don't know who because no one else was yeah. in that area he just decided to shoot the dude for no reason uh as opposed to the, i burn what's his name Ber- birken hulken Macken, baron holtz yeah is he went to the creep factor he's yeah. like okay this guy is is uh capable of doing really anything yeah and he's off his rocker and i'm probably sitting here peeing my pants right now and yeah. not even realizing it that that gives a little bit more gravity to it now the the thing about uh mike's ike's mike's burn bergen hopping pepper the incorporated security the security guard is they didn't give him like a full end arc no He's so he set it up to where like he's the asshole that's going to get his fucking uh uh green mile come up ins. Yeah. At some point. Wow, they really stop good it. reference there. <laughs> yeah. That's they, awesome. No, that's exactly they what it is. They stop it at the point that he hands Harley the uh yeah, cell phone and, and then that's it. The 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 implication is the payoff. Like, oh, you're going to get fucked up, which never happens. He's nothing happens to him. Cuz I mean, it the, doesn't show no. this is it. At the end, Joker storms the factory or the prison and saves Harley, but does not kill him. I was like, why didn't he kill him? Right. And that would have been appropriate. Yeah. I would have been. And it's funny because if you watch Blade 2, and this is the best example of this trope ever. At the beginning, he's hunting down this one character actor who's always in uh, in Guillermo del Toro's movies. This is basically this uh, fat vampire who's balding, who has a pimp coat. And then he, he asks him for some info, and he's like, oh, you're going to let me go. And like, for now, the whole movie happens. It's a completely different plot. And then, like, the very last scene, it's that guy going into the, the sex shop, and he puts in the two, the two, the quarters. The and, quarters, and it and he opens up, and up, there like, he is. Oh, you didn't think I forgot about yeah, you, yeah. did you? Yeah, it's and the that, same thing, the commando thing, where yeah. it's like, oh, do you think I was going to, said I was going to kill you yeah. last, and drops him, and I lied. Yeah. And it's like that's what you need. You need that little payoff. And for something like this, it's homaging. Like it, Blade Two is a great point of reference for this FY because it's basically the exact same thing. Where it's like a whole team of bad guys, the Blood Pack, and they each get a little intro. And even though they're only in the movie for a few minutes, yeah, you still like. I still remember there's like Priest, Priest and Chupa, Chupa. Light Hammer, yeah, right. and Verlaine. I know all their names because that's because Blade Two is a fucking perfect it's an movie. Awesome it's great. movie. Yeah. This one, it's like. You know, there's oh, um, Katana, Rick Flag, Slip, Slipknot with his, his very limited appearance. Who you know, know is going to die because he's the only one who doesn't get the cool intro. Yeah. Besides Katana, yeah, that was that was yeah. really strange too. Yeah, yeah. it was like everyone. It's so got, obvious. Yeah, they show them all in the wall at the end. It's like, why didn't have they talked about this other guy? Well, and that's how I felt about Mister Boomerang guy or Captain Boomerang. Yeah, is that it, they they didn't. Once, well, once they killed the the sliphead mofo, who what who got killed, the bed yeah. blown up, uh, almost right away, and didn't have that backstory. I didn't trust the movie anymore 
because I didn't get a backstory from him. So then I started losing who was getting backstories, who's going to live and who's going to die, I but not as a tension no, builder. No, I will say, I'll say this. This is one of the things that like I wish if they had been more on the ball, right? There's, a, there's an animated Suicide Squad movie called Assault on Arkham. Mm-hmm. And KG Beast, who's also in Batman versus Superman, is in that movie. And he's the guy whose head gets blown up at the beginning for no reason. If they'd been more on the ball, it's like, oh, we're going to need a character that's in the movie for about four minutes. Don't kill off KG Beast in Batman versus Superman. So they could kill him off in this one. Show more continuity. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because it's a nothing character, but we've already been introduced to him in another movie. Even the, even the, uh, Daniel Craig Bond movies do this. They did this with a character that was introduced in Casino Royale that ends up dying in, um, what's the last one? Uh, Skyfall. Spectre. Oh, no, you are right. Yeah. Sky, keep forgetting they made yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. He dies in Spectre. They bring him back all the way to just to tie the story Well, they did that with Jaws, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, so- not the movie Jaws, but the character Jaws, Jaws. in, yeah, with uh, uh, Roger Moore. Yeah. So I like that kind of stuff, and that seemed like a blown opportunity. It's like, if you're going to kill a nothing character, uh, Christopher Nolan did it in uh, in the Dark Knight movies where he kept bringing back uh, Scarecrow in every movie in a little bit part, yeah. you know? So it's just little things like that that are smart to do. Marvel gets it. I wish DC got it a little better. But you know, being ragging on the Joker a lot, and, you know, it works on a mixed level. It might, Maybe his whole performance is more like that scene in the well see i liked him as a joker though yeah, i didn't have a problem i just didn't scene i liked him i didn't like him otherwise but for all that the, like margot robbie like gets harley quinn like dead on right like it's like a hugh jackman thing or even ryan reynolds is dead yeah you can't you can't see anybody else playing yeah. that character at this point that was dead on dead on casting and i can't say enough good things i mean i say there's bad jokes they give her that don't land like mm-hmm. the i need more cardio joke which just isn't funny doesn't make any well, sense a big part of it too is, is that yeah you know it's the most popular character and stuff i mean i just feel like with the harley quinn character it's just i mean it you know it's really interesting that you have the two most cosplay characters gained film this year right deadpool and harley quinn you can go to any comic convention anywhere in the world and the ratio of those two probably there'll be a bit more now joker harley quinn's again but you know a lot of Deadpool's and variations on Deadpool. This, they got that got a lot of fan service. service. I was really yeah. surprised they actually had a recreation of that Alex Ross Harley Quinn uh, painting in here with her wearing the comic book Harley. Oh Quinn yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that shocked the fuck out of me. I'm like, whoa. Well, and they even had. I mean, I felt a little bit, in, especially in certain scenes. And again, kind of like you were saying with his previous films, like the Train Day and End of Watch. There even a part to me was part of the games, like the Arkham Asylum and stuff. I did feel like certain parts of the Joker even were a little bit where it's way more cartoonish. Yeah. Um, like not that Nicholson's performance to me is the real, uh, you know, cartoonish Joker, not a Cesar Romero, but cartoonish in a lot of respects, but still that edge mm-hmm. and that threat. And then with you know, obviously the Heath Ledger performance. I mean, I really do think it'll last forever. Yeah, to right. that he's the definitive but Joker. I do think, but I oh, not to ahead. cut you off. This is one of the but things that really bothered me about the Jared Leto Joker, and I think they tried to do it with the tattoos. He needed some kind of rictus, like yeah. Nicholson and Ledger had. Anyway, oh no, no, good, good point and stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, it didn't have to be the full on Chelsea Grimm, but it yeah. did have to be some kind of more of an affliction and stuff. And with it, the other part too was is that it was you know I just I'm going to point this out to me as part of the Leo ideas is that 
you know, you have these different kind of versions of the Joker. Like, I find Heath Ledger's Joker is, is an opportunist. He doesn't have any particular... Like, he's a shapeshifter, a chameleon. He's the cop. He's the bank robber. He'll do I, whatever he takes. The nurse time is one of the only times you see him really in the the Joker face. But I like that idea. But then with this one, it's like, I really thought, like, the purple Lamborghini. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where, I mean, it's it very does. It's campy. Yeah. It's campy, but it differentiates. It shows that this Joker is something different. Right. And the way in which he acts, of course, in it is cartoonish it is full-on like we are going to outrun batman that is what we are going to do like Mm -hmm. like like an 80s ferris bueller kind of thing almost in a way i don't know how to describe it it's just bizarre yeah well it's not based on anything no 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 that's why no no no, that's it's like i feel like in the dark knight that was like the killing joke joker you know yeah 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 and like, but at the same time, he was like this really nebulous. Like, it's almost like Lewis Cipher and Angel Heart, where it's like he's the Joker, but he's really the devil, mm-hmm. you know? And because he offer, he did, he never really overtly does anything. He just sets up situations for people to show their true colors. And here, it's like he's like the you know, like a crime lord, or he's and he's like bent. Like I don't even get that he's insane, you know? Well, I think I when you said Al Pacino, now all I can think of is Scarface. Yeah, that's all it, it is. It was Scarface, yeah. though. It is. It is Scarface. It is because it's it's the extraordinary he's lifestyle. The gangster. He is a gangster, but crossed with I'm into art house. And right. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. See, like, look I've how affluent a, I yeah, live. It's like a Cecil, look at my trophy wife. Cecil be demented, right. If he was a yeah. drug lord, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Or a juggalo, whichever yeah. comes first. I literally thought when you said juggler that you said juggalo. I was like, yeah. actually, kind well, of a little, a bit, little of bit of both. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I will say, um, yeah, that it's just one of those ones where, um, you know, you got to have your own spin on. It. And I, I do think, yeah, you had to, um, the. I think Hayne on Harley Quinn as you know is a Jackman or a Reynolds kind of performance. I think everybody did good. It's just that well, it's a question of who carried it. And I didn't want to say the last one because uh, I thought about. Sorry, it just caught up with me. Was the the El Diablo going full Killer Instinct at the end? That was, was cool. Was fucking awesome. Like I was not expecting that at all. Like before, yeah, before we wrap this up, I yeah. think we should say something about the villains in this movie. Okay. And um, I don't know how effective the strategy that DC is using of having obscure villains for their movies is. So this one, we got Incubus and Enchantress as the villains. Apparently, Steppenwolf is going to be the villain for Justice League. But just on paper, I can tell you, based on the hits to our, our articles on Incubus and Enchantress, like nobody knew who the fuck this character was. Right. Like the first day, like we got like four thousand people. Like, like our first, who is Incubus was like our top search term for a week. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like who is the Enchantress? <laughs> you know, v- Victor brings the guidebook knowledge for you. Yeah, but it's one of those things. It's like okay, the Enchantress. It's all based on an obscure storyline from the comic, but at the same time, you know, people wanted this Joker battle. Like, you don't go to these movies to get like. You know, it'd be like if you saw Winter Soldier and Batrock the Leaper was the main villain instead of the villain for that little first part of the movie. You know, like, really? It's kind of odd. And then there's the fact that Cara Delevingne, Delavigny, I don't know how to say her name. 
Delavigne, I'll say. Uh, she plays the Enchantress, and, you know, she's like, they can't control her, clearly. And she play, she it's her for maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes. And then she's like this CGI character. Do you guys think that was her voice? I don't think that was her voice. I don't know. I don't know. It you guys, didn't I wasn't sound really paying like her attention. at all. Adam is definitely more of the audio expert I, on all that. But I mean, no, I, I'm just saying like. I wasn't tuned in in that way. I, I wasn't thinking a lot about it. I mean, my big thing, first thing was. I mean, a great point on what it was, like who you expect to be a villain. I mean, and obviously DC's cross-contamination with things, with it's like the the Batman, it's like with the Deadshot thing, it felt right. Yeah. But then it's also like, yeah, you want the Joker. But more importantly, it's kind of like one of the big things is when whenever they're, the, you know, the Enchantress creations – is is like what is this Doctor Who like it, old it Doctor? Was kind of they I kind was, of look like putties or something. Yeah, like that's my, totally my, what they look like in yeah. my brain. I was like, God, I was really hoping they'd be like more like distorted, like a Lovecraftian. Yeah, that's, nightmare. that's the word I was looking for. More Lovecraftian because that's yeah. sort of what they were going for here. And like, I thought, are these going to open up and they're going to be eyes like some kind of Del Toro thing? No, they're just kind of gooey and they turn into ash when you kill them which is how you get around the r rating because they're not people and they don't bleed so yeah. then true well then you have to go to the to the origin of the of of her of being released again and then uh, possessing the body what sort of archaeologist goes picks up an idol and just pops off the, the head indiana jones school of now <laughs> well that's, that's even worse than indiana yeah. jones because she yeah. just went she just went boop this like belongs it was a, in a museum. Like it was a, a soda pop bottle. I hate when they do that in movies. I mean, at least like have something where she maybe fumbles with it, or yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and it cracks open. It could have been maybe because that, was that originally that like, canister had nothing to do for you know that that uh, little sarcophagi thing. Yeah, had nothing to do with the rest of it because everything else is all like her heart. The heart was all bound up. Yeah, well, not that little idol. Well, thing. and if it is, if they'd really gone far. You know, uh, Violet Davis's character would have had the damn heart implanted in her, so she could yeah. stab it herself whenever she wanted, not be in a suitcase. I mean, that's how crazy they she should. Is. Ba- I was yeah. kind of expecting that, where at some point, if she, if it, because it seemed like there was a motion sensor when she got it, and that's why she went in another room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like it should, I was kind of thinking, well, may- she should have it, where it's like as it a dead man switch, where yeah. it, if somebody tries to open, it just explodes or something. Yeah, that's true. It just, it, it just doesn't. Like I said, yeah, the villain situation here in DC films, the the death of Superman Doomsday thing works because it fits in. But I do think, I mean, yeah, I didn't even know the Steppenwolf thing, and that just bothers me already yeah. because it's like, well, now I'm really not looking forward to it. It's like, can't, couldn't he have come up with some? I, DC's line of characters to, is not my favorite, but there's got to be somebody better. Here's my thinking on that, FYI: if they'd use, if you're not going to use, if you're not going to use Darkseid in the first movie, then the clear it is, oh, use Desad. But then people will be like, oh, that's just a rip off of Loki, right? But then Steppenwolf is such a B like general character. I would have been like, "Fuck it, if you're gonna go weird, go weird and use Granny Goodness, or something, you know, or introduce the new gods earlier, so then it's not so bad." But yeah, I, I'm sure we're gonna get a whole thing where it's like Steppenwolf, and at the end, it's gonna be like Dark Side, and everyone's like, "Is that Thanos?" 
you know. Well, yeah, but that's, I mean, you know, you're whatever, you're Deadpool, even people are like, oh, you poor man's death stroke or whatever it is. I mean, people are always, I mean, comic history, why I got out of, especially the big two in comics in general was because I just got tired of this. But I, I do think, you know, like Victor said about Guardians of the Galaxy, you can really repurpose if you're, if it's strong. Like, you can make a fucking talking tree and a raccoon be the coolest damn mm-hmm. thing on earth just depending on how you're going to spin it or how you're going to make it work. Well, the bet, the thing, and especially, this is why Guardians of the Galaxy works so much, so well, is it doesn't have to be a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. If you use all the same characters in that same story and turned it into, he's an outlaw in the West, and, you know, like, uh, who's the main bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy? The Creed. Ronan. 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 If Ronan was a gunslinger and he was, like, invading. It's Shane. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. what it is. It's like a Western, and good space opera is Western. And, you know, Suicide Squad could have been, like, the Dirty Dozen or totally. Missing in Action. Like, that's, yeah. it's an Magnificent easy formula. Seven. Yeah, but I feel like they overcomplicated it or, or could have been. They had this movie, and then they're like, well, we need it to be more like Guardians, so throw in more jokes and weird shit. Another thing that I really think could have helped is if they had another mission first. Yeah, It something. sounds weird, like, without making it overblown. No, I I really think, like, some kind of thing that could have worked a little bit more, like some test mission to make sure that it was – they were going to work. Right. And that's what's really funny. The Assault on Arkham cartoon, uh, when they start – uh, when that it's it's the first Suicide Squad animated thing, and I'm I keep saying if you were disappointed by Suicide Squad, watch this because they rip off a lot from this. Like the little intros all come from that movie. They get captured all at the beginning, and then they wake up, and then like the first thing that happens is Deadshot and Har- Harley are like, ah, this again. <laughs> so they're the ones who are explaining to the other ones who've been captured for the first time what's going on. So it's less of an info dump. Yeah. So you could have had, like, oh, yeah, like, Waller's been doing this for a while, but now she's trying to make it legit. That's kind of what I thought it was going to be. Like, oh, now I need funding to get the Enchantress or something. So it's just, like, flipping a few things. But, you know, we were, we were armchair quarterbacking this thing, but at the same time, it's like, you don't know what kind of time crutch they're on. And clearly the people who make these movies don't really care about the properties that much sometimes. And they should have spent. They should have waited longer on this between yeah. Batman versus Superman. This and that is one thing the well, MCU that, does succeed at. Is well, building. it's one of those things. It's like funny because we got Flash in Batman versus Superman for a second, right? And you get him for. And here you get him for a second, and he's Flash already. He has the costume, everything. So when we're meeting the Flash in Justice League next year, sorry, I keep moving in and out uh, from the mic. Is he going to be the Flash already, or is this somehow set in, you know, where where is this in the I continuity? got a good way to wrap this up, because yeah. we're, we're going towards yeah. the end here, but your guys' thoughts on the stinger. What the fuck is a stinger? Oh, the end credit the, the scene. S- the post-credit oh, scene. Sorry. Yeah. That's what they're called. That's good <laughs> Trail- thinking. But, I completely forgot about that. I thought that. it was a yeah. character. I'm like, the stinger, boy. Well, he was out, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, out of the... Yeah. Uh, yeah, the four horsemen are gonna face up yeah. with the uh, Suicide Squad. Um, no, I, I, I really. It, it reminded me a lot of um, the Incredible Hulk. Yes, when uh, the Colonel came to the bar 
and was and talking. Tony Stark was there. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it's very much an Iron Man style. Yeah, like, business, business is this is this is the way we do business. Right. Yeah, it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of confusing because you get like Waller, who's like, "Oh, I need to be protected for some reason. Like, I'll protect you if you give me these files." And then it's like just the info the government has on Aquaman and. The Flash. And- so all that tells you is, so was Luther's file just like QuickTime videos with no other info? I kind of find that a little hard to believe. And he just luckily found, like, he luckily found Wonder Woman by accident, but he doesn't know jack shit about finding Aquaman or The Flash. And I would say Wonder Woman is probably the the really the only thing that I'm really looking forward to. I think it's crazy that Wonder Woman and Justice League are both coming out next year. Right. But we already just talked. We just, we said, just said that. They're yeah. planning their, yeah. their time difference. But I will say the first thing I saw, and not just because of obviously the time period, but it really looks like the first Avenger. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, well it's sure. World War One. Yeah. Which yeah. Is no, smart. no. Stylistically, I mean, even that, it's like that, you know, obviously the, the Western front, the trenches, but even the style and stuff where I think that um, I kind of see it going in that same arc where yeah. maybe it's Winter Soldier will happen afterwards because there's some really good one. I really, and I've said that obviously the Batman versus Superman, that the the Wonder Woman reinvention looks awesome. Like the, the, the rebirth of that character. I think great. Wonder Woman is going to end up being the Iron Man of the DC and a uh, DC film universe where Iron Man was a nothing character before these uh, Marvel movies came out. Like he was a B, like a high le- a high level B guy. You know, like oh Captain America, uh, Iron Man, and now everyone thinks Iron Man is the most popular Marvel character. Sure, it's gonna be somewhere between that. It has the Captain America feel because of, well. With one or one, it's a lot longer, but the ageless kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can go with that, with um, having a long timeline to work with, as opposed to something. Well, for me, Wonder Woman has always been an A-list character. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. She, I mean, the stars of the DC universe. That's the question when you talk about who the villain is. Well, first you got to say who are the stars, and then who are your star villains? Yeah, because that's in any of these films is important. Right. So I just I kind of wanted to go on that on that on the end because it's like not only how did you like that scene or something, especially as Batman v v Superman yeah. had this huge huge scene at the end, you know where it's you know obviously much better done in the extended version, but it really is the question of you know Marvel is always done because you you cannot compare the two universes. You know, it's this is their building steps, and it's like, well, where is it going to go? And it's like, okay, as Victor mentioned, is it a bunch of QuickTime videos, yeah. or is it this extended dossier that goes on like it came from the Library of Alexandria or something like right. that? You know what I oh, mean? Sure, yeah. Like, what is it? And that's that's an important part to how he's going to recruit, because um, you got the idea that Luther used his advan- his extensive resources to hunt these hunt them down like metahumans yeah yeah yeah, like literally and that that was one thing i did like about suicide squad was the idea of like i said that's why i like uh waller so much was the idea of the government's involvement with metahumans like an x-men thing there's a great line in that movie that's completely delivered as a throwaway i know we're wrapping it up the part where well, Diablo, we're overtime now. I know. <laughs> Not even where Diablo, where armchair quarterbacks, yeah, man. Diablo is about is facing off against Enchantress, and he and she's like, "Why do you fight against us? Our time is now. The rise of the metahumans is the first sign." Like, okay, I mean, in that 
you know, clearly they're 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 throwing ten pounds of stuff in a five pound bag here. You know, magic characters, metahumans. When they introduce Katana in this movie, it's like, oh yeah, this is my bodyguard. Her sword eats souls, and no one says anything. You yeah, know? they really missed a mark with her. I thought yeah. she would be more interesting than yeah. the dull thud that she was. I know they should have done something where like you could see people that like her husband Just in the something sword more to it. Or, yeah, 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 definitely. But and they, they made what potentially could have been a really cool character and made her really boring. Yeah, and that kind of sucked. Yeah, and because her costume looked cool and everything. Mm-hmm. That's you know? what I'm saying. But yeah, it's it's so yeah. Ultimately, I think our our review is like. I, we wish we could have liked it more. There's it like was so supposed to be the potential. savior of 2016. Yeah, I wanted it, it to is. to you know usher on until the you know next until the end of the year. Yeah, just and it's like was was that real uh, realistic or unrealistic? I mean, it's making money, but it's not going to be like have legs. Like well, who Guardians, cares if it makes money? You know? it's, whether it's, it's good or not, it made its money. But the question is, in the end, is is that people are going back to the critical? It's like. It, I, I will say this. I do feel like this film, people are going back and like, let's have another look at Batman v Superman. Yeah. I and really do Batman feel like not was, just to get the connection, but because I think people are going, uh, maybe I misjudged that one. Maybe I want to watch it again, especially yeah. the extended cut. I think that. that's that's a very fair thing to say. So, yeah, if you have more thoughts on this, please post some comments when we post this this uh, on our website at cultfalling.co or just let us know on our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com. I think you should say, if anybody wants any questions for Victor, if they want him to do more of those guides or, you know, explanations for any films or upcoming, let him know because they know those are popular and stuff and we should really have more of those insights into these things. Yeah. People want to know. Yeah.